0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Connecting to the big show. In three, three two, now, three, one. Four.
2: Only Country that comes up with a name for phone crack. It's blackguarding, like it's
3: scutting, it's no ham. Fifty
4: five euros straight out of my account. Well, they have my money and I have no
3: test. Send time for all these people because it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the
4: conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96.
1: Extra WhatsApp 083 396
4: Email opinion at 96 FM.
1: This is the opinion line with. P-
2: DJ Coogan So that was was wasn't a disappointing night at the Oscars 2 out of the 14 nominations still though that is a lovely movie that little short movie An Irish Goodbye it's really lovely loads of places to see that right now that was really nice and a lovely touch as well the, the chap's birthday singing happy birthday to you and Richie Bainham that's his second Oscar for work on, on animation. We punch so far above our weight in this country in terms of animation. We'll find out later on whether it was a complete shock that the Banshees came away empty handed. I was disappointed too for Colleen Quinn because Carrie, who's in that, I know Carrie from the Eurovision days, and I was disappointed for them It's a beautiful movie well, Look, What did you think of the Is Paul Meskell or is he not Auditioning for the role of James Bond Did you see the suit White like the Only certain people can wear A white suit jacket In the style of James Bond And to be fair Young Mr Meskell Knocked it out the park I mean was he auditioning for the role of James Bond No wouldn't that be fine wouldn't his GAA trunks fetch a few more quid at the box office? Mag- actually, can you imagine James Bond turning up on a beach in Antigua with uh, his Bond girl by his side and his Roscommon GAA shorts? No, I'm, I'm fantasizing. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.com. IE, traffic is appalling this morning down around Carrigaline. We've been getting calls since half seven. There's carnage, absolute carnage down around Carrigaline. They've closed a section of road between the Protestant Church, if you know it, and the back road there, back towards Ring of Skitty, back towards Hall Boland. And that's a rat run. Well, not even a rat run, it's a main route for lots and lots of people who leave Carrigaline every morning to go to work down there or go to school down there or anything like that. And it's closing from now until the middle of May. So it is causing ructions. And think of them. Look at the morning you get, like, for it all to start. I mean, you wouldn't be inclined to walk or cycle anywhere on a morning like this, would you? Anyway, to the more mundane things in life and the serious things in life, the ones that keep coming back, the if if I were to go through a week or even a day on this program without somebody contacting us to or someone's situation being brought to our attention with regard to housing it would be a very rare week indeed there's not a day goes by that we don't hear about someone in trouble or read about someone in trouble and that's what happened in this case gemma they tell me that you're nervous you're you're all right girl I don't I, I, I don't bite good morning and welcome how are you
5: Good morning, PJ. I'm good. Thanks very much.
2: Good. Now, I've been reading about you. What's been happening?
5: So, um, I moved into the house that I'm in now in March last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the landlady and I talked to her about renting the house and she promised me that I could have the house long term, like 10 years plus right. and everything. So, it was exactly what I was looking for. I actually turned down a house that was um, for like three years and I said no look I'm really looking for a long-term place because I have two kids one is 16 and one is 13 and I said I really do want to put them in somewhere long-term and have them settled Fiona's in fifth year he'll be going into his leave in September so I said look I really do want him settled it's probably one of the biggest years for him mm-hmm. um, and the whole lot so I took this house and then last September I get the letter in the door um, the eviction notice, the termination notice to be out for the end of March.
2: Had anything been put in writing about the long-term
5: plan? Uh, no, no, there wasn't anything about that, but I suppose because I was friends with the woman and everything, I kind of yeah. took it at face value, which is probably, I know that was probably naive and gullible of me. No, no, um, no, no, I, I was just, that. just, just, just look, curious
2: to know, that's all.
5: Yes, yeah, you live and you learn about these things. I won't ever do that again. Mm-hmm.
2: So, when when do you have to be
5: gone? I my date is the second of April. Okay. Yeah. So we have. I've been trying now since September relentlessly, every single day, searching for some place to rent a three bedroom house with a roof. I don't care what state it's in or anything like that. Y'all surrounding areas. Mm. It doesn't bother me, Um, but the search has just turned up nothing.
2: And you were Every benefiting, Gemma, on a house. Pardon? you were benefiting from the the ban on evictions because your, your landlady, despite the fact that she wanted the house back, she, mm-hmm. she couldn't have it back while that ban remained in place. So you were benefiting.
5: Um, yeah, this is the one time that I actually I would imagine that I have benefited um, from that. Um, but like that's only it's only been six months. And with the housing crisis the way it is, that's not a hell of a long time to find somewhere for your family.
2: So come the 2nd of April, what are you going to do? Have you spoken to her about it? Is there any any budge?
5: I did. I asked her for an extension on the house and that was refused. Um, she's selling the house that she's in at the moment. Um, now, that's not even going up, until, up onto the market until the end of March.
6: Right.
5: So even if the house sells fast you're still talking at least two months by the time she'd have to move out of that house and into the house that I'm in. So even though we'll be out at the end of March, the house is going to be vacant now for at least two months with no one in there while she's selling the house that she's in. Yeah. You know, so we have, like, I can't move into my mother's. My parents are nearly in their 80s now. My brother is living there with his three kids. There is no room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, like, all I can see is either a bit of couch surfing with two kids However, we would manage that or we have the car. We'll be sleeping in the car.
2: You have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. You're going to have one big couch and then not being facetious. Like, that's not going to happen. Let's face the gemis. What?
5: No, no, no. it would be very hard. at What that, is going to happen? Like? I, I actually, I, I, I really don't know. It's deeply worrying for everyone who's in this situation um, of what's going to happen. Like, I know with County Cork, there is 350 families going to be made homeless at the end of March. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to put them because there's no social housing available. The emergency accommodation is full and you cannot even find a private rental accommodation that would would take half that people could go into. There isn't enough housing. Do you know what it's like now? It reminds, me of, it reminds me of the Titanic because there isn't enough lifeboats and people perished. And this is exactly the same thing. There isn't enough housing and people will perish.
2: If you go to the council... You won't have much choice in a week or two now, but if you go to the council and and declare yourself homeless, what will happen then?
5: So, if I declare myself homeless, first I have to get a letter of the extension, the refusal of the extension. I have to get letters now from friends and family as well uh, to say that they can't take me um, or anything like that. And then... You're put into emergency accommodation if there's any available, and at the moment there's none available. It's all full. Yes, and that's just me. Never mind everybody else as well, who's going to come the end of March. There's just going to be an influx of people looking for emergency housing, and there's none. And my, I'm in y'all and the closest emergency housing to me is Cove, yeah. which is ridiculous. How is there no emergency housing in towns around around the place? For people like I work in y'all. The two kids are in school in y'all. Uh, my son actually works in y'all as well at the weekends. He got himself a job on his 16th birthday, which I was very proud of. Good for him. Um, so like even with school and work and everything like that, I would actually have to cut hours inside and work because I work till late on a Monday and a Wednesday evening. So wherever the kids would be. I collect them. Am I supposed to, And I have to make my way then at like half 10, quarter to 11 at night, make my way from y'all up to the cove to emergency housing if I got any, and then get them up at whatever time, half six in the morning, and get them down the road in time for school again.
2: It's tough. The logistics if you had to of do it would that. be an
5: absolute nightmare. Yeah. It would be tough. No, I'd do it. I'd just suck it up and do it. I wouldn't. There'd be a roof over their head, and that's what I'd have to do.
2: But then how long will the emergency situation last? How
5: long are you going to be in? God yeah. only knows. Yeah,
2: that's the thing. Yeah.
5: And I there's nothing to
2: be that. had around y'all, no?
5: There's nothing to be had around y'all. There's one or two, I know there is one or two houses um, around that are vacant. There is, one, in one of the estates, it's actually a Peter Macvery Trust house. Um, and it's a three-bedroom house. And that house is actually vacant with the last few months. There's no one in there. It's not after been given out to anybody.
6: Have
5: you contacted the there, trust? Empty. I haven't even counted because the Peter MacVerry Trust is done through your local authority. I got you. And if you're given one of those houses, you're taken off and um, we'll say the housing list.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And there's nothing would be in as far as Killa, Castle Martyr or
5: if even... there's nothing I every day I check. Yeah. Every do do? single day. You just you're constantly checking and checking and checking.
2: What are you going to do, Gemma?
5: I don't know I don't know I don't want to split the three of us up
2: no it's the last thing you want to do
5: that's the last thing you want to do I'm their mother and no one knows them as good as I do no
2: do you really fear that you could end up in the car
5: um yeah of course I do
2: how are the kids holding up 16 year old in particular that's a difficult time to be a to be a young girl
5: yeah he's okay actually he's okay yes, um, yeah.
2: 13 year old has he, she
5: he's she yeah he's kind of an easy going fella anyway you know mm. um, and that which is fine but I just but my fear with him is that when it comes to September and he's doing his leaving cert to give him a decent shot I would like to have him settled somewhere Absolutely. so he doesn't have to be worrying about where he's going to be going
2: and your daughter how is she
5: yeah, she's Oh, she's okay now I don't know how it will affect her Come the end of March Because she's a little bit She's a bit of a worrier And a bit of a stressor She has suffered with anxiety before mm. So I don't know How are you?
7: Well, like You just have to keep Plowing on, don't you? I know
2: You do Sounds like you're plowing more than it's fair to have to plough, Jim, this day.
5: I know, sir. Excuse me. Okay. You just you, you just what you have to do. It's my job, I'm their mother. <coughs> so I get up every single day. And I search and I keep on fighting to try and find some house to rent to put over their heads.
2: How do you feel about the people who make decisions like this at the highest level to do things like Get rid of the eviction
5: <clears throat> Well, I think now that they should be ashamed of themselves. Now, to be honest, because the government is actively choosing to make people homeless. Yeah. There's not like as I said, the car county. There's three hundred and fifty families, but with the whole country, it's thousands of people.
6: Yeah. You re- know,
5: and all these people the government are choosing to put families onto the street because there is no housing for them, there's no rental properties for them and I think they should be ashamed of themselves it's it's a disgrace I was, I was, No other government I'd say around the place has ever chosen to make people homeless
2: I was reading over the weekend that in one in ten eviction notices nationwide in recent times has come out in Cork, this is Information picked up in Cork, Bo. There's nearly 500 winters facing eviction between now and the middle of June because of the lifting of the ban.
5: Yeah, yeah, there would be. Now, I know the other side of the story is the people who own these houses or who were away and bought houses and come back and they want to, you know, yeah. settle down back home and everything. But they're they're already back. They're here They have a roof over their heads these people who are going to be put out at the end of March, April, May have no roof over their heads.
2: Yeah. Like, you probably have an Attorney General also telling the government, you have an Attorney General telling the government, you have to do this, you have to end this ban. But you see, the government then has to say, well, okay, fine, that's what the law says. That's what the Constitution says. That's what the Attorney General says. But what about all these people, you know?
5: Exactly. Yeah, what about these are the citizens of the state that they're supposed to be representing, like, I mean, what kind of a society do we live in that your own government have chosen to make thousands of people around the country homeless? It's a disgrace. Yeah.
2: Here's a message come in. PJ, I worked for a politician in Cork last week on one day. We had about 10 calls from families who've been given notice to quit. They're utterly traumatized. Yeah, that's
5: out. it. Yeah, of course, they're all very traumatised. We're, we're, we're getting calls and
2: messages. Since this was announced last week, Gemma, we're getting calls and messages. Like I said, there's not a day goes by that we don't get a call or a message or a tweet or something.
5: Yeah, well, do you know something? It was threshold got on to me um, when the eviction ban was lifted and said, there's a few media outlets that are looking to talk. Would you have any interest? And like that, every single day since then, um, I'm getting calls or a text from different people to know would I talk to them. Yes, so I can imagine that's happening everywhere.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You're one of you're one of hundreds.
5: You're one of one of hundreds, mm-hmm. exactly. And do you know something? Do I know that my case, this is just my story, but there's others out there who are much worse off than me. Do you
2: know what? I often wonder. I, I I'm 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 awestruck when someone facing what you're facing in two and a half or three weeks' time. Can't even have the capacity to think like that. That there's people. Worse sure, there
5: than is. They. I've read so. Ma- I've read so many stories as well over the weekend. Different people's stories up around the country, um, and what they're facing eviction and what they're dealing with at the moment. And it's horrendous. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I kind of say to myself, well, at least we have, we're in our full health, which is something as others that aren't.
2: Have you talked to any of the politicians?
5: I have been in touch with three different um, TDs here. Uh, One of them, actually, you'll laugh at this, one of them cancelled my appointment to see him because Michal Martin was coming to town and he had to go and meet him. Okay. So that was one. He had
2: to flank. Very important to to flank.
5: Yeah, definitely, isn't it? So the only the other TD I spoke to um, kind of on the phone and that and they were just kind of telling me about the emergency housing and they kind of didn't really do too much and then I went to Middleton and I spoke to um Danielle Toomey she's the Sinn Féin TD in there yeah. um, and she was the a most counselor. helpful Yeah, yeah, yeah she was the most helpful for me and even now even still I can text her or I can give her a call or yeah. anything like that
2: Dan- Danielle would have a fantastic knowledge of what's available and what's not you know
5: yeah 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 no I personally I found her great help yeah
2: So second of April is what it's two it's two weeks Sunday
5: it is yeah and what a week because they on that week the Wednesday my daughter has a confirmation the Friday it's her birthday and then we have to be out of the house on the Sunday
2: oh my God.
5: Yeah, so it'll be a busy week.
2: For all the wrong reasons and the right reasons. For all the
5: wrong reasons, yeah, exactly, yeah. The highs and lows.
2: Well, you're doing a stunning job as a good mum of two, Gemma. Thanks, PJ. You really are. You really are. I've nothing left to say, just listening to you. This is, this is the harsh reality of what's going on around us. Thank you and I, I really hope that something comes up. Something works out for you. 0818 96 96 96. Read a piece of the weekend actually. Jody Corcoran had this in The Independent. Jody's one of the better political correspondents in the country. Um, he claims in a piece he wrote yesterday, yesterday's paper, that the government, apart from legal advice, apart from what the attorney general was saying, and apart from all of that, because remember we don't know exactly what the attorney general said, that they held off on ending the eviction ban, so that, and the, you know, initially they were being called on to do it until the keep it there till the end of 2023, which might have been awkward constitutionally, but sure they could have done it. They didn't do that because in May of twenty twenty four we have local and European elections. And if you're to believe the examiner this morning, we might even have a general election before that. So this was considered and I'm going to use this this is my this is what Jody Carquin, who I know and would have huge respect for as a political writer this is the politically expedient time to do this that is what it would, you can explain why you have to do it you can tell me why you need to do it you can give me constitutional law you can give me attorney general's advice you can give me anything you want and I believe it all our constitution is a very complex document it gives very complex rights to scratch your arse in this country you almost need a constitutional amendment but the most politically expedient time to end the eviction ban now. That's one of the facts that has been taken into account. If you're to believe what Jody was writing in the Indo. 0818
1: 96, 96 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this
4: June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Corks 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You make me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services See 96fm.ie for more 96fm.ie for more The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to
3: 27th You make me feel
2: Only on Cork's 96FM Getting a lot of calls about the traffic situation in Carrigaline. Absolute carnage down there this morning They've closed a stretch of road, a very important stretch of road and people are feeling the pressure and this is just the first morning of it because it'll be there until May at least Mary
8: Hello, good morning PJ Listening to Gemma Yes, I was uh, driving around the city um, over the weekend and and just, how can they build all this state of the art student accommodation that's empty for half the year? Yeah. Everywhere. Like the Square Deal site, up Victoria Cross, and there's another section there by the Mardike. They built one on the Mardike Walk site and there's a train there building another four or five story, whatever. But how can how can they put so much student accommodation in place and can't put houses?
2: When you consider that the student accommodation is vacant half
8: the year. Yes. It makes zero sense. Like, you know what I mean? That's all planning. They shouldn't get planning for that. Like, they're all in prime sites that must cost an arm and a leg. You know, no normal person could afford to buy one and build. You know, that house has been knocked down that way there before and apartments going up in their stead. And You know what I mean? The closed nest out in Victoria right. class,
2: and I don't know if it's still the yeah. case, there used to be Fergal will know this if I've forgotten it, I don't know if it's still the case but you used to get tax breaks to build student accommodation
8: yep. maybe there's your answer you used to get tax breaks for seaside homes and you used to get tax breaks for all sorts of things before but you know like, but like the thing is we have a housing crisis Yes. Surely these things are factored in if if it's more lucrative for people to build student accommodation, that's what they'll build. That's right. That's a planning policy. It's, you know, it's it's all sorts of things. A, don't incentivise it, and B, don't give them planning. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, it, it just doesn't make sense, like, kind of thing, that all these things can be put in place for... And students need, accommod- students need proper accommodation, too, because the house is there, in, but... What happens then, they all move into this state-of-the-art stuff, which actually a lot of us are paying for through these Susie Grants as well. You know what I mean? So it's not like they're completely, you know, in most cases, or maybe I don't know how many cases would be financed by, you know, the parents and how much. But there are certainly people getting grants for student accommodation because they need to. And, you know, that's all very well also but at the same time that kind of thing then there's this you know, I won't say a different kind of opinion when we're giving it to a family who hasn't when we're subsidising families who have no homes
6: Yeah, yeah A a fair fair point
8: We've a complete different outlook I suppose on these but definitely building all these all the student accommodation when there's people who need houses you know what I mean and they would be totally suitable. A lot of people now with the changes in family structures and things like that, a small you know, or, or a nice apartment, well yeah. kitted out with your bathroom and kitchen area and everything, would suit an awful lot of people and it's certainly better than the hotel rooms.
2: You're, de- you're dead right Mary, thank you for that. Oh 1896 there is so much student accommodation going up uh, and so little there for the likes of, of Gemma. And her two teenagers. Now, I read a a fascinating piece at the weekend about people who are now commuting to Dublin for work from Cork. Now, I'm assuming these are people who work most of the time at home in Cork, as in you're based here for three or four days you're working out a home or working out of wherever you happen to be renting, and then you have to go to Dublin to go to the office. So the office is in Dublin and you work remotely from Cork. One of those people is Grania Kilcullen. Gráinne, tell me about your typical week. Good morning.
9: Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, you're right. So I probably I, I work most of the time at home in Cork. Um so uh, yeah, all online. Um, but then I get the train every Thursday from Cork to Dublin because um, uh, we there's a policy with work really that we should all be in together at least one day a week just for morale, well-being, kind of team cohesion. Yeah. So so I get the. Quarter past six train generally, or sometimes if I'm lucky, I can get the seven o'clock train from, from Cork. So I get in for about, yeah, half eight.
2: Right. So for every other day of the week, you can work from home where I'm assuming that you have a little... I, I Have you a, an office or is it a kitchen table that you have?
9: So it is. it was kind of a kitchen table for a long time. Um, but I, I made a little bit of a, a move to kind of rent a small little place at my friend's place down okay. in this co-centre just for a little bit of um, separation. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. And sure. I'm telling you, the commute this morning was not great. I'd say, no. No, I'd say the not. No, And then
2: Thursday morning, you get on the train at whatever time, we say quarter past six, and that gets into Dublin, what, half past eight or 20 to nine? Mm-hmm. You do the full day's work and then back to Houston and back to Cork. So what time would you be home then?
9: So I'm home at around quarter past seven. So um it's it's kind of a long day but a short day in the office because I get in at around half nine and then I'm leaving again at half three. So yes. so my work is very flexible, you know, there's a very trusting environment there and you know, obviously if there's days I can't go on a Thursday because of family reasons or uh, you know health reasons or anything then that's absolutely fine but i yeah generally i'm i'm getting the train at four again then
2: is this sustainable grania is it or is it something that's putting you out at the moment something that you just have to do
9: well, I, to be honest, I kind of welcome it. You know, it's, gr- it's great. So I, I started a new job in October with yeah. ActionAid. And that, that that was kind of the thing, the impetus to bring me up every Thursday. Um, and I actually, you know, since the pandemic, I've been working at home the whole time. And I really welcomed that kind of um, connection with the office and being able to just kind of get out mm-hmm. and yeah. you know get get dressed properly and everything like that which is brilliant but um it is a long day obviously and i do i do get a lot of work done because the train is great um and i think for me at the moment it is sustainable for the foreseeable future but you know i'm very lucky that i have like great family support you know yes. and have you myself- kids yeah, so I have one boy and, you know, myself and my husband are really, you know, strong in, in terms of we share everything. But I, re- I recognize I'm very lucky like that, you know, because I've been recently looking just at kind of the stats of of care work and, you know, the the amount of co- the costs for child care. And, you know, it, it is. The the burden is a lot on, on women still, unfortunately. And, you know, I suppose you would have seen that uh, announcement by the government now to change the constitution at the end of the year yes, for yes. taking out the clause. And, and I think that, you know, there, there's something really fundamental about it because it's not necessarily taking out the clause of, you know, the women's places in the home, but to really kind of, value care in a very, you know, intentional way. And I think once that starts to change, you know, more... Yeah, women will be able to make those choices to be able to commute and, and if they, if they can do it, you know, through other supports from the government, then that'll be really fundamental, you know. So yeah. I recognize I'm lucky to be able to do it, but I guess, you know, when things don't really change within society to support care work, if, if there are family problems down the line or health problems where I might need to step up more in terms of that, that's could be quite difficult yeah. to sustain. Then. No.
2: Supposing it happened that your office required you to do more than one day, like I know Queen Bee has gone to Dublin today for a lengthy meeting, and, and I dropped her to the train this morning for the quarter past six train. And I know that by the time I collect her this evening, she will be wasted, absolutely wasted, tired. And that's yeah. just one day. I yeah. mean, is, is, is more than one day sustainable if it was a thing?
9: Yeah, and, you know, sometimes because, you know, things are so Dublin-centric, really, there's a lot of meetings that happen externally that are not on Thursdays, right? So it does require a, a little bit of juggling if I need to go up on a Tuesday. But then, you know, again, my work is flexible because if I was up on a Tuesday, I may not need to be there on a Thursday. But I think it it could be quite difficult yeah if if it's more than one day a week, because not just the expense of the train but also, yeah, as you say, just it's quite tiring, you know, because ultimately, when you are on the train, you do work a lot yeah. more, you know like i I would never get up myself at half six and start working whereas mm. I do when I'm on the train, so. Yeah it's um you might
2: you might rest a bit snooze maybe come on back but in the morning you've a day ahead of you you might as well prepare for it
9: yeah exactly and it just it does end up it, yeah there's a lot of energy required so i think yeah it's it's hard to to think it would be sustainable more than once a week you know yeah,
2: yeah. and and like you said if there was any circumstances in which family life became a bit difficult
9: you'd have yeah. to think
2: again wouldn't you
9: yeah, like if there weren't enough support in place, you see, from the government, that often is what happens, you know. And it means that there's a lot of sacrifice from, you know, women generally. But like, you know, you know, if you really want to pursue a career, you have to think twice sometimes about yeah. those obligations. You and know? I
2: don't know if you have any further. I won't be delving too much into your personal life, but I, I don't know if you have any more family plans, but it's it's not a sustainable way to bring more, to have more children, is it?
9: Again, I guess, yeah, it just depends on the support you have around you, you know, but it is a consideration for sure that you, yeah, how much you're required in Dublin yeah. or not, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's really interesting to see, um, like David McWilliams was talking at the weekend about just how rural Ireland is developing a bit more to allow for people to yeah, I suppose, work from different parts of the country and not just Dublin. And I guess I would just hope in time that, yeah, things do become a bit more decentralized, you know, and you have more meetings and, you know, decisions being made in Cork or other parts of the country, you know, not just in Dublin, but I think for the moment, yeah. It's it's still. Um,
2: yeah, I should have I should have pointed out initially that it was your it was your husband's job in a way brought the family to Cork, wasn't it? He he ended up down here, and then you decided to move down. Could, yeah. Yeah. I mean, property prices in Dublin are just obscene. Yeah. Did you ever see that rectifying itself? now?
9: Uh, I don't know. It doesn't look great, and you know, yeah. even as the speaker before talking about student accommodation it's the exact same in Dublin. You know, where there's so much student accommodation in really impo- like good parts of the city you know for access to shops and access to services and there you know there's then there's nobody no place for people to to actually live permanently so it is a problem you know and i was living in the liberties in dublin for a long time and the amount of hotels as well going up so you kind of really don't feel that it's a priority of the government necessarily to you know, house people more than they want to build hotels and student accommodation, you know, but but the prices in Cork have gone up too, you know, it's and it's have, not yeah. easy trying to trying to find a house here yeah. either, you price, know. The price so, of
2: property is, is at almost yeah. unsustainable levels at,
9: at this yeah. stage.
2: You, you just hope you just hope we aren't headed back, even though they all tell us we're not, but I... I've had stuff denied long ago. They all tell us we're not headed back to a 2008-style crash. I would hate to think we are, but you never never know. And
9: and especially, you know, my generation, like I'm in my late 30s, you know. So we graduated at that time Mm -hmm. of the crash. And now, in a way, we are suffering a lot from not being able to afford houses now, even though... You know, working full-time jobs. You know, getting you know fine salary, and it just isn't enough for a lot of people. You know,
2: you've got people on damn good salaries uh, who can't get a mortgage, who can't. Yeah, it's ridiculous, Grania. Thank you very much. I wish you continued success. Grania is living in Cove, works from home for an operation in Dublin, but commutes up every Thursday just for meetings and so may have to go a different way or a different day. Right now she's managing but is that sustainable? And the piece that I read from Conor Kaplis in the Times was saying like there's a lot of people going up on on early morning trains at least once or twice a week who who are working hybridly but are going to Dublin to the office. 0818969696 traffic in line, carnage over these road closures, says Emma. It's going to cause chaos. Why couldn't it be done in the summer months? There'll still be people giving out about this. I'm stuck in traffic for 30 minutes. I'm still in Carrigaline. Tom Dooley says the same, and Mags says that a two or three minute school run this morning took 40 minutes. Lovely. Join
1: the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon.
4: Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. We all love Irish music and the artists that make it. Cork's 96 FM is proud to support Irish Music Month throughout March by promoting the amazing work of Irish artists. Across the country, independent radio with Hot Press is spotlighting Irish music. And paying Irish artists over €100,000 to play and perform for us. We're committed to promoting Irish music. Are you? Irish Music Month, proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. On Cork's
2: 96 FM. we we'll back to... Gemma from earlier on uh, our opening uh, conversation this morning she is living in Yall she has been given notice to quit for the 2nd of April there is no way to put it back she's asked and it can't be done she was being protected by the evictions ban now she is not and she's desperate she thinks herself and her two kids teen and teenagers may well end up sleeping in the car with a conversation with Gemma of No Doubt. We'll podcast that later. Landlords' circumstances change, says this call, and as awful as it is to lose a home, it isn't the landlord's fault. It's the government's fault. This is why there are no big companies or wealthy people coming into Ireland to buy up properties to rent out because it takes so long to evict people that don't pay. Tenants have too many rights. She does sound like a great mother. Well, I'm just wondering, yes, landlord's circumstances change. That is true. And in fairness, she even acknowledges that. Landlord's circumstances do change. And if you own the property, are you not entitled to do with it as you please? That's true. And that right is protected in the Constitution. And that's why the eviction ban kind of stretches the Constitution a little bit. But you still have to think about Gemma and her, and her two teenagers and the fact that there's nothing for them or nowhere for them to go Paul says what would happen if she refused to leave by the time the courts kick in it could take a year or more to actually get her out it's time this country stands up to a government that's doing very little for the people 200 euro in electricity is no good when you don't have a house thanks says Paul didn't make Barry say something like that about a week ago, where he said, "If anyone gets an eviction notice after the end of March, they should just refuse to leave, which sounds fine, and Paul sounds grand, and you're right, Paul. It will take a long time to kick the courts into gear and get her out, and there'll be a long time, but then there'll be a very big legal bill because the courts will will eventually enforce the eviction, so who pays the legal bill then, Paul? Do you want to saddle Gemma or anyone like her with a big legal bill? Is there anywhere in y'all in the Quality Hotel for Gemma? They have houses and a hotel. Surely they have something. I know all the Ukrainians got put up there. That's kind of one of the reasons there's nothing there, because it is full of Ukrainians. I don't, did they renew that contract? Not too sure. But the, yeah, the Quality Hotel did have a load of Ukrainian refugees there. Um, but th- th- yeah, I read this with Mick Barry last week, at the week before, and I'm just thinking to myself, Mick, that sounds great. And I've not he'd probably ring up now and give out to me, but that sounds great in a sound bite and looks great in a press release. But if you're telling someone at the end of an eviction ban to refuse to leave the house, it sounds grand. It sounds absolutely fine. But will you be there when there's a massive legal bill for that person to pay? The end of it all. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now, Carl, um, this is a different subject. What's being... Plant hire and farm businesses being robbed at the moment? Tell me more. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. What's going on?
10: Uh, uh, Monday night and early Tuesday morning, I... Someone, and I'm not going to say a name because I know who it is, but someone decided to break into a private yard, private farmyard, no no public yard whatsoever, and decided to drain all our machinery. Green diesel. There was the bones of 10 to 15 drums taken. And when you add that up, it comes to about 400 euros or more. And people, these people don't realise the expense it puts on people that are in this sector. We have enough expenses so, 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 so at the someone moment. someone
2: broke into your farm, Cahill. You know who, it let's, broke. let's not go there. Someone broke into yep. your farm and you're saying drained all the diesel out of your machinery. That's correct, yeah. Right. Dra- uh,
10: to be honest, PJ, it take a, it was more than one person to do it or he had plenty of time in his hands because draining this machinery would take a lot of time like I said 15 drums and you won't carry them in the boot of a car I would
2: suggest it's quite skilled Carl it's quite skilled
10: I suppose a pipe and something I don't know how they did it or they had some form of a pump or something because do you know you wouldn't drain it in five minutes like
2: yeah and was, but, yeah, um, they, had, they had some time to spend there was there a, a tyre slashed there was a cut put in one of the tyres
10: um, but they're a heavy wall tyre so it didn't burst it but like that, it's weakened the side of the tyre. Yes. So you know, it all has to be taken into account. In six months' time, the tyre will probably burst. So yes. you know,
2: and this is this is I, a business all that you has run to be like taken it. into account. This is a business you run, and it's it, a
10: father and run business. It's not a big business, like you know, it's run by myself and my father. So and
2: you is know, a, is it's, this the second time or what that's happened? No,
10: this is the fourth time. The it's fourth happened. time. Good god. Fourth time um the it's this is the fourth time it's happened this is the worst it's happened no we had uh the first time it happened it happened at christmas 21. right and there was light stole off the tractor and the exhaust and things like that and the D tractor was broken with diesel um just parked on the side of the road and uh the second time then it was diesel again the third time there was five or six drums taken, and now this time, this takes the biscuit. Now this time. And
2: again, and let's, th- let, us, let us let us name or indicate nobody, but you know who's doing it. Do, do you have something? Would you have something like CCTV? Like, do you have anything that you could take to the guards and say, "Here's who's doing this"?
10: We had we had a camera up, PJ wildlife camera, but we had no sign up. That was the trouble. We did a wildlife ca- camera up just to watch animals right. and things.
2: Right, And to be honest It
10: didn't really pick them up great anyway
2: No but come back to me now on know, the sign Because this is the thing most people don't know If you put up A camera You have to tell you have the to gougers f- That there's a camera up
10: Yeah that's that's exactly what I said To the guards the same thing um They came out to us Tuesday morning after we'd reported it, and they came out and we said, We have a wildlife camera. And he turned around and he said, That camera's no good to you, he said, because you have no CCTV camera up in the gate. And I said to him, I said, Guard, I said, We want to catch who's come in. If someone climbs that gate, a lock gate, and comes into the property, we don't want them wearing a balaclava or a mask or something we want to catch them, that's why we have cameras is to catch the person and, you know, if you have the fucking ca- the sign up in the gate, it's, they're going to put on something to cover their face and You're it's right. just a waste of time You're right.
2: So, and I, you know, I think so, a lot of people don't know that, Carl, that if you have a, yeah. a CCTV up to protect your business you must advertise that fact like that is utterly crazy <laughs>
10: To be honest, it's a stupid law, PJ, to be honest with you. But like that, no, it's just the way things are and you
2: have to go with it. And I suppose you have a problem. You know, so You're going to run into problems with your insurance company now as well, covering it for these repeated thefts.
10: Look, that's that's the biggest problem of it, like. It isn't the fact, look, it's the manner of the diesel being taken to, but there's the awkwardness of it as well, Do you know. Mm. We need to fill all that gear again Tuesday morning. And you know it's a big expense on a small business. You know, we have no massive company back, yes? No, 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 do
2: you know? no. It's, it's and it's, it's it's and the fourth time since 2021, and you know who's doing it, and it's getting worse every time. And you're knackered if you put up CCTV because you're right. They'll just they'll just put they'll just put masks and balaclavas on. There really just seem to be no help there for you, Carl. Thank you for that. I hope to goodness it sorts itself out. That's Cahal O'Shea you might not know that a lot of people didn't know that who is it used to say that people wouldn't know, Michael Caine, doesn't matter Um, yeah, if you have CCTV up to protect your premises and you don't advertise that fact any CCTV that that you have isn't worth a toss in a criminal case do you, you ever hear the likes of it? and so stupid in all of your life. PJ, what's going on with Cars Hill? The two lines of traffic backed up down to the Broomfield interchange. Oh, sweetest. Carrigaline Road, bumper to bumper. Yeah. Monica is also stuck in Carrigaline. Mag says, mental, 45 minutes to get home after dropping kids to school. Usually takes less than five. And then Desmond comes in, says, a two and three minute school run. Did she ever consider walking? the laziness of people no wonder the roads are the way they are Desmond would you really expect anyone with two kids school going kids to walk on the morning that we've just had Uh, really like if you have a car at your disposal some people I know have no option but to walk through but Mags is lucky enough to not be in that position would you really expect them to go out on a crappy morning like this Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Noel Noel comes back in with the exact thing we said that Jodie Corcoran was writing about in The Independent at the weekend with the, election, or the eviction ban ended now to avoid bad press next year ahead of the local and European elections. This is carefully timed. 0818 96, 96
1: 96 Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With
4: the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> the
1: lines are live. Oh, hello.
4: Join the conversation Call
1: 0818 969696. 96 96,
4: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email
1: opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Fox
2: 96 FM Oh, the claws are out between Desmond and Mags here This is continuing now Mags was going on about the two-minute Or three minute school run In Carrigaline Taking 45 minutes today You'll remember that Then Desmond says A two to three minute school run Did she ever consider walking The laziness of people No wonder the roads are the way they are And I kind of said Hang on a second now Desmond Would you be inclined to take Two or three kids Small kids out On a morning like this morning And da 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 And then Mags comes straight back And says tell Desmond My kids walk most of the time but I chose to drop them this morning as the weather is so bad. A hole, says Matt. <laughs> oh, dagger's drawn. But no, Desmond, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be. Would you put, you see, this thing about, and this is the whole sort of walk more, cycle more agenda, which we're all fine with. But look out at that shagging weather. I'm sorry. I ain't put no child out in that. And I don't care whose agenda it is or whose. Um, got a wonderful idea. I, yeah, save the planet, but drown me, child? Nah, forget it. Not happening. Not happening on my watch. 0818 96 96 96. Uh Jimmy.
3: Hello. Uh,
2: Jimmy, on the eviction ban, you were saying. All right.
3: Yeah, I just want to ask a question that everyone is asking. Go on. I watched um, the leaders' questions on Thursday and three different parties Ask me, Hall Martin, when people are evicted, where do they go? That's right. Right? And then on Friday, on the Tonight Show, there was a minister asked to know where does people go. And I don't know if you see the latest show, the lady with the three children being evicted on the first of April. And there was a minister there, and she was asked to know where does people go. And yesterday on the um, program on television at 12 o'clock, Mr. O'Gorman was on. And the question he was asked, where do these people go? Yeah. And not one of the ministers answered the question. They started speaking about what they did, what they're doing. Yes. But the, the question they were asked, they ignored, they went around it. And all I'm just ringing in to know. Where does people go? I know I can't answer it, and I presume you can't answer, but there must be someone out there. Jimmy, Jimmy, go? not
2: only can I not answer it, not only can you not answer it, Gemma, who's faced with this on the 2nd of April, she couldn't answer it earlier on. But guess what? I don't believe it's our jobs to answer it.
3: No, it's the government's job. But, you know, I didn't, join the week, people were told to report to the girls' barracks.
2: Yeah. So the guards' barracks have nothing? The guards' barracks aren't having enough room for the guards, for God's sake.
3: The guards made a statement during the week that there's no use going to them because there's nothing they can do about them.
2: That's right. People, they,
3: people are frightened.
2: I, like People are very frightened at the moment, Jimmy, yeah. what's happening in the next couple of weeks.
3: Yeah. yeah. The, the, the question I was throwing out, I know there might be, but where does people go?
2: An excellent question. It's an excellent the, question. And, and yeah. I'm wondering... And look, we have, we have three... Government ministers in one constituency right now. Surround. Would any one of them and I'm they all know me, they all know me a long, long, long time. They all know me to be a reasonable man. Would any one of them care to take a call and tell me where people like Gemma are supposed to go? Jimmy, it's a great point. It's a super point and thank you for making it. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And no matter what side of the eviction ban you come down upon, that's a true that exactly what Jimmy has said is 100% true. Since the ban was lifted by the cabinet last week, everyone has been asking, where are people supposed to go? Where is Gemma supposed to go? On the third of A. where is she supposed to go? Where are her children supposed to sleep? She says to me this morning, it'll probably be the car. A mother and two children, two teenagers, one of them waiting for a leaving cert in a car, but they're asking since last week, people are asking since last where are they supposed to go? That's a valid question and nobody has answered it. On commuting, Jesus PJ, when we lived in London, you could be going for two hours in the morning to work two hours again in the evening six days a week and doing physical work for ten hours a day, not sitting at a desk. I did ten years of this. Good for you. Well done, delighted d- delighted you were able to. Would prefer you didn't have to. That sounds like a very arduous day. Very arduous day, six days a week. PJ, the Green Party could have stood by the people and said no to the eviction ban, but they decided to inflict more hardship on the people. Hopefully in the next election, the support for them will be down. Well, if you read a lot of the political analysis over the weekend, they weren't going to walk and cause an election on the back of the eviction ban. Dan Boyle who'd be the, and he'll kill me for it when he meets me next, the elder lemon of the uh, Green Party in Cork. Dan himself has been a TD and a senator and he knows how the system works probably better than most members of his party and that's no disrespect to anybody. Uh, He's written a very good book about how it works as well. But um, he says you win some, you lose some. You, you, You don't walk away because you lose something. Which is another another point. 818, 96, 96, 96. Did that, did that woman say tenants have too many rights? That's not the way we work. I can't believe someone said that. So I, yeah, I think it was a, yes, it was a message before 10 saying that, look, a landlord's circumstances can change, and we have to take account of that as well. And they can change. And that's true too. That is true. 0818 96, 96, 96 Now, two different things. Um, Fiona Ryan is the councillor, uh, city councillor, solidarity, people before profit, and is a new mum. A uh, young little baby is about, I think it's about six months old now. But Fiona, you had cause to bring the little lad to the emergency department last week. And uh, you you were furious and frightened, I think, all at, at the same time. Fiona, how how is he now, anyway? Good morning.
11: Good morning, PJ. Yeah, no, he's a bit miserable now, and he will be I think for a few days, but yeah, yeah, the, the scary part is over with it. So he started having like a bark of a cough, his, his face went sheet white, his lips started turning, and oh. he started projectile vomiting everywhere, and I was like, ah, no. So we went to South Dock.
2: When when was this now?
11: Just started around Thursday evening, late, late Thursday Okay. South Dock assessed him. They said that he needed A and E, um, and so they sent a referral to the Mercy. And um, we got we were almost there to the Mercy, the time South Dock called us again, saying the Mercy can't take you; they're closed. Essentially, you have to go to C U H, which I don't drive. You know, so it was a, a Thursday evening. It was absolutely end of the world weather. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I couldn't get a taxi. I had to get my partner's mother up for Blarney um to try and get us to CUH and all this time the baby is, you know, in in bits um, and getting worse.
2: And you have a sick baby out on your arms on a cold, horrible night like last Thursday and you can't get a hospital. Yeah. So you got to CUH eventually anyway.
11: We did. And every, you know, the again, the staff are fantastic. They're doing amazing work with what they have. And um, I was told, you know, the wait is going to be a long time. They they brought him in. They checked his oxygen. They checked his temperature. His temperature had spiked past 40 at that point. Um, uh, and they said, you're going to be waiting a long time. And I was like, well, well how long is a long time? And she said, um, well, at least five hours. Wow. And and I was like, but how? You know, the baby is really, really sick. And she said there was 26 kids ahead of me. And when I went in, in fairness to the A&E, the waiting room, the overflow room was just babies and when I went through to the the kind of pod bit, you know, where you have the A&E segregated out, um, there was just so many children, I have to say, you know again, it was, how do you prioritise kids if all you have is kids you know.
2: And were they able to give him anything, Fiona, to bring his temperature down or whatever?
11: Some paracetamol, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was after a couple of hours though, you know Um, again, they had brought me into another space to weigh him first because I hadn't wasn't quite sure what his weight was because I was due a, a trip to the public health nurse and then we were, we were waiting two hours to get him weighed you know what? and so they could so that they could see hold on
2: hold on two hours to get him weighed
11: yeah 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 that was it's just yeah Good <laughs> so like God. they couldn't give him the paracetamol until they had him weighed you know uh, and I was you know I was sitting at just kind of outside of the children's pods because children's pods were full um, and there was an elderly lady next to me who must have been in her I don't know, me, late 70s, early 80s. You know, she was there at least 10 hours before I had gotten there, and by the time I had left, 11 hours later, she was still there, and it doesn't look like anything had happened. You know, she was in the same seat with the same blanket. You know, so I mean, in, in that sense, they were prioritising the babies, but prioritising the babies was 11 hours wait. You know, and mm. um, now he he ended, he ended up getting seen too. The paediatrician was fantastic. He was really good and reassuring, and um, he gave him a couple of doses of steroids, and you know he was okay. Oh, <laughs> um, and um, we're all set up now for a couple of miserable days, I think. But I mean, the the point of this all is is that this is not new. Obviously, there's uh, you know issues in A and E's everywhere around the country, and, and indeed across Europe. But the point is that this is this is not something that. It's just happening now in the winter months, you know, where you would prepare for December, January to be particularly bad. PJ, sorry, the baby is. It's okay. Oh, dear. Hold on one second.
2: You're okay. To... you're okay. You're
6: oh, okay. Oh, come here, to me. I know, I know, I know.
2: Shh. Are you sure you're okay <laughs> to keep going?
11: Yeah, 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 I'm okay. He's, I've said it's he's, he's his first time he's sick and he's...
2: I know, he's just absolutely. getting a little bit grisly. Yeah, I know, it yeah. happens. you got to spoil him a little bit. But yeah, and yeah. the other point, like with COH being so busy, I was just thinking there, Fiona, how ridiculous is it that the Mercy wasn't taking anybody?
11: That's it, you know, I mean, obviously the situation in the Mercy was probably even worse than the situation in COH. And the thing is that we've had, you know, probably two decades of A&Es and crisis in this country that is only getting worse. And there doesn't seem to be any joint up thinking about how to to, to solve the issue. It's a question of conditions. It's a question of pay. It's a question of terms. But there doesn't seem to be the, the government seems to be absolutely refusing to budge outside of the public sector pay agreements.
2: Yeah, it seems to be because health minister after health minister after health minister after health minister ongoing has said, I'll sort this out. None of them seem to yes. have been able to. And if, in fairness, again, this seems to be a crisis across NHS. It's a crisis across Europe.
11: Yeah, yeah. And that is that is true. Um, I mean, this, the situation that we're experiencing in Ireland, the same situation they're experiencing in the NHS. But the difference is throughout Europe, it's the first time that yep. they were experiencing similar levels. This has been the status quo for, for, for decades now in Ireland. And that's, I think, the difference. If we were already bad before the rest of Europe were starting to experience um, crisis in 80, what is our crisis going to look like in, yeah. um, by, by this time next year or by, by, by January of next that's
2: year? That's the thing. parent. Every parent that rings me with a story like yours always says, like, this is no normal.
11: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, now the A&E situation is a little bit different to the, the beds crisis in general. But and this is a similar issue of what's happening in the NHS, a lot of the issue is you have, you know, very sick, very elderly people in an aging population with nowhere to go. After they're seen to an, a care, there, I think there was 9,000 beds filled with people who you need you know additional care. But that care would be better placed in the That's home right. if they had That's the right. assistance or in a care home for a brief period. And that must be where the government needs to start looking but unfortunately we have a situation where a lot of these care homes are closing down we should be building hundreds of them recruiting staff and thinking of the next decade and decade after this.
2: And you're not thinking here just you're you're thinking as a a local politician of course you are but you're also thinking as a mammy who was frightened of her out of her wits the other night.
11: Absolutely furious I don't think I've ever felt anger like that before as I was sitting there and my well, my baby is crying now, but yeah. that's more just a crankiness at this point. But when I was genuinely um, afraid for his health and um, yeah. what was going to happen to him, yeah. And there's literally nothing you can do. You're just paralyzed.
2: Yeah. And all the people around you apologizing and apologizing, saying, we'll get you as quick as we can. We'll get you as quick as we can. That's not their fault.
11: Absolutely not. And They do Trojan work and they are just run off their feet all the time there really isn't any anything else that they could have done um with the numbers that they had uh, and the numbers that were presenting in the a&e but something's got to give and as as you did mention and it is right that this is a crisis throughout europe but we are having a crisis on top of a crisis
2: our crisis levels are now normal And, and that's what chris luke has said to me many times on the program our crisis levels are now normal and, and something like you said has got to give Fiona. You go and look after that gorgeous baby. <laughs> I will. And yeah, we I talk see. again soon. Take care now.
11: Thanks for the NPJ. Bye now.
2: Cheers. No problem. Go look after. Go look after the little one. 96, 96, 96. Just a little bit of breaking news. If you've been following the story, it's been hard not to, particularly if you listen to or watch British media. Gary Lineker will be back. On Ma- like you see, like it like it was ever going to be any other way. Gary Lineker would be back on match of the day next weekend. Actually, I watched it uh, Saturday night just out of pure curiosity to see what they do. And I thought when they took away all the spoofers and the hot air merchants and just showed us the football, I actually thought it was a far better program. But that. Is what it is, Gary Lineker. will be back on Match of the Day next Saturday. Now, can we all calm down again?
1: Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June
4: by running solo or with a team. Register at Cork City ninety six
1: FM.
2: Quick reminder to you that it is coming up to Daffodil Day. On March 24th and Cork's 96th am Proudly supporting the Irish Cancer Society's annual Daffodil Day Cancer it affects us every day It takes people from us every day It takes big days from us, little days from us Everything in between It replaces them with treatment days and recovery days But together we all have the power to take things back The Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day gives hope and raises those vital funds so that one day, as everyone who works in cancer and everybody who works around cancer firmly believes one day cancer will be no more. One day we will find the way to get rid of it, the damn thing. Once and for all, Daffodil Day is a huge fundraiser for the Irish Cancer Society in that regard. You can get a Daffodil pin pin from any of the volunteers across Cork and help fund free cancer support services and life-changing cancer research. If you would like to take part or to donate, you can go straight to the website and do it. Cancer.ie Daffodil Day coming up on March 24th, which is Two weeks from Thursday. 0818 96, 96 96 Primary school education is set to change in a number of different ways. One of which, and we'll get to this in a minute, I was reading at the weekend, where pupils will have a bit more say, not so much in what they learn, but how they learn it. As in pupils will have autonomy to sort of run the class their way within the, the curriculum. There's other changes coming too. Padraig Wilson is a teacher from Cork who lives and works in Dublin who was on with us before. He also has a, a podcast called The Voice Note. Padraig, you've been looking through these upcoming changes. Good or bad, do you think? Good morning.
7: Morning, PJ. Um, I have indeed. I think, you know what, PJ, um, for what I what I should say first of all is the the new the changes that are being made right they're they're very reflective of um of 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 today I suppose and, and there the, are modern changes being made uh, they're they're greatly being welcomed uh, uh, but what I should say is um they, they're not they're very they're they're a good representation of what's already being done in our schools uh, it's just it's 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 on paper now you know and yeah. um, they're putting loads of emphasis and value on wellbeing which is which is great, you know what I mean, um, and that's not something that was in the curriculum beforehand. It wasn't mentioned you know in, in the curriculum since you know the 1999 curriculum at all because you know that was something that we, we didn't even think about back then, really, um, but schools are implementing wellbeing focuses and doing these things all the time, so it's great to actually see it being being acknowledged as something that's important and and something that we're putting loads of work into, yeah. and they're valuing it now in, in the curriculum, so that's great the
2: curriculum used to be all about the three hours. And a bit of spelling on the side and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so much more now. It is. I better it is, totally. I better explain what the three R's mean for people who are a bit yeah, old a yeah, bit younger. Course. Reading I know and it it was so wrong wasn't it reading writing and writpeti i know
7: that's it yeah yeah that's it and that's what it that's that's originally what it was but since the last framework came out i mean i was in primary school when the last one came out so it was about time that it was you know modernized yeah. anyway at least you know um there's been like you know the, the, we see the value of of things like engineering now and science and technology um in, in working life. So it's 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 vital that the children are exposed to these kind of things when they're in primary school and they can get an interest in those things. And the arts as well. I mean, I think, you know, the arts are so important, you know, um, and as a country, and we just saw with the Oscars and all the nominees and stuff that we yes. got, which was great, that we're very good at doing the art subjects. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so it's great to see actually... Um, that they they included that as an area where they want to focus in, in in the new curriculum too, which I was actually surprised about. I thought it would all be about about STEM and you know science, technology, and all that kind of and and engineering. So it was nice to see that they're still valuing arts as being important.
2: I mean, as a as a primary teacher, it's different than being a secondary teacher, isn't it? Because you, it you is, actually yeah. study primary teaching as a degree, whereas. That's it, a, 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 yeah.
12: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite Plushcare.com slash
2: Secondary teacher, you come to teaching as a decision in your life, having qualified. So is it someone who came to, say, the way you were trained as a mm-hmm. teacher? Are you, yeah. are you trained to be able to bring in science, bring in a foreign language, bring in the arts? You well, know, is your well, training well, adequate to cover where this curriculum might go, Patrick?
7: Well, uh, for the most part, I would say yeah, we are, definitely. You know what I mean? There's always, you know, we're always upskilling and, you know, we do these summer courses and we do a lot, you know, to to keep ourselves t- ticking over. Um, and professional development is a huge part of our, of our job. Um, I mean, when I when I was in Mary, I mean, there was, you know, we, we certainly did lots on science and we did lot, lots of these areas. Like, things are always developing, you know, engineering and these kind of things are always developing. And as such, we will have to go through... Um, the process of you know of getting some I, I, and that's something that i hope is going to be offered to us you know professional development in these areas mm. one area now that that on the ground right from our perspective that we're kind of a bit concerned not concerned about but just wondering how it's going to be done is uh the modern languages yes. so there, there's there's a lot of talk about bringing in um an additional language so we don't really know how it's going to work you know the the, the framework has been set we know what what's going to be included in the new curriculum but the actual specifications haven't been outlined to us yet and, and and they won't be for a while. They're hoping that it will be, at, well, we're assuming it'll be out by the, the, the school year starting 2025, right? Mm. But we're just wondering, you know, like about, you know, th- these modern languages. Now, it's great, right? And it, again, it's not anything new. I mean, when I was in primary school way back when, I was in um, St. Anthony's there in Badaloc and we did French, you know? Did you? And that was, yeah, we did. We did, but it was an external teacher, PJ, would come in. So they had a, they had a teacher come in from outside and they taught us the language right yeah. and I mean look look I, I would definitely not be opposed to, to going through some development and professional development to learn a, another language you know and even to get the basics I mean it will stand to me when I go on my holidays you know yeah, yeah. but um, but what we're wondering is you know like for example now I'm here in, in Dublin I'm teaching in Dublin if my school decides okay we're going to do German and then I decide eventually look I'm going to move back to Cork um, and the school I get a job in are teaching French if I'm not you know, trained in in, in French because yeah. I'm used to teaching German. We're just not sure how that's going to work. Yeah. I would just hope that it's not a tick-the-box um, uh Statement from from the government that you know you know, we're going to do this because it sounds great on paper, but and and but I hope they're going to implement it properly because it would be, it would be hugely beneficial. Hugely might have to go back to, to what
2: might have to go back to what they did when you were in Saint Anthony's and bring someone in from the outside well, to well, do it. Well, be the best way. it
7: was, and it was great because I went into secondary school with the basic foundations of 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 French. Then yeah. you know what I mean. And of course, like, you I probably had, took it to secondary had, school then too. And, and I did, a course, you know, and I think, yeah. I think, you know, um, secondary schools encourage, I don't know if it's the case in every secondary school, but I think, you know, everyone has to take a language, you know what yeah. I mean? So, and, and, you know, as well, like the transfer of skills from learning one language, uh, it, it, it will translate across all different languages. So because the children are being exposed to Irish and, and we're learning that, you know, and, and we're teaching that, it, they, they should hopefully find it easier to pick up that third language yeah. too.
2: Yeah, they, they, they soak up language like sponges if they're properly they exposed to it.
7: Come that, to maths. And that's it.
2: Yeah. Come to maths for a second, Padraig. And I, I remember going down. I, I, I mean, I did honours maths for the leaving and, yeah. and, and did well in it. Did better than me. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and, and did maths in college for a year or two. Yeah. And I, I had to go down. I'm always ashamed to say this. I had to go down when my kids were in primary school to get the teacher to show me how to subtract i know because i know, know. they totally. they might as well have written it in greek and yeah, are they still exactly. doing that with stuff
7: well well no and i i suppose there is a lot of t- autonomy on us and that's that's why we're i, I appreciate the, the, what, what what they're saying in the new curriculum is that they're giving us kind of more ownership over yeah. how we approach things um it you know it, it can be look like you I think I always kind of think you know you're either numbers or you're not and and it can be quite daunting it's about making it accessible and I think that there's a new maths curriculum due out as well and I think that that's what that's what they're aiming to do is is making it more accessible you know and yeah. and and drawing from real life world world experiences yeah. to make to make you know to see when you can actually use it rather than just sitting down and doing it in your copy
2: you'd want to hope though that if they are changing it that they'll bring it in with a view to Wanting to have more girls go into engineering and STEM and things like that. Totally, that and,
7: I, and I think that's yeah. that's that's so important. And as well, um, I, that's why I was delighted to, to see STEM as one of the areas that they're trying to emphasise. Yeah. Because you know, like you know, it is it is the way forward, and we see it all the time. And there's there is jobs there, and yeah. um, and I think exposing them to this earlier on will give them a huge cause, cause a I, huge advantage when they, when they move on.
2: I remember talking to youngsters, my when my daughter was doing doing her leaving and that way and and her juniors are like youngsters, her, her pals who were terrified of maths and I remember thinking, yeah. well if that's the way you were taught how to subtract, I'm not surprised
7: no, totally, totally. But that was the old way, wasn't it? I was taught the same. I, I wasn't really numbers orientated either, to be to be honest, PJ. You know, yes. but it's it's when you get to, to to my level now and you're seeing it, and you I can recognise when the children are struggling, and I can bring it back to when I was in school, and you can just find like easier ways to do it for which them is and make great it more accessible. A teacher. Them. Which, That's great for you Which, which a is teacher. great. Yeah. Totally, and like, and I I think that it's important to, to also notice or to, to mention that, like, you know, one of the one of the main things that they they've been. Um, stressing in the new framework is you know that it's going to be inquiry based so that the children are you know it, it's problem solving skills you know mm. and use, using their using their prior no- knowledge right. and um to, to figure out new new material. Which is it. great. And
2: let's it, let's use what we already know to, to solve this exactly. this new problem. Can, That's a great you know, idea. And
7: like you, you know yourself. Once once you're once you're out out of school, out of college and you're in the real real world, you know, you, you there is there's a lot of problem solving that you have to do. True. I, re- you know, I remember you're know, apply, applying those skills.
2: A great teacher of mine one time, um I reached a problem to his maths actually as it turns out and I reached a problem and I said I just don't know. He said, Yes you do. You absolutely yeah. do, is it? Of
13: course, you, you do. do. Of course, you do. I, I know, if sir. I don't know. And, and I don't know. I don't. Yes,
2: you do know. We'll get it out. Let's get it out of. Let's 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 break it down, and you'll find how yeah. much you know. And it's it's about
7: teasing way. it out, PJ. Yeah, absolutely, totally. it's teasing absolutely. it out because you're go, you're you're doing no one a favour by um, yeah. by uh, giving them the answer. Can know we, know we I mean? talk In about
2: autonomy for youngsters? I'm I'm a bit maybe sure. I'm old fashioned here, Podd. You're teaching them. I'm not. I'm a bit. If you give ten year olds a chance. To direct where the class day goes, should you
7: know, <laughs> want to talk I know. about? That. I think I think you you to be a very brave teacher now to give them total ot- autonomy over, over their day, you know. Uh, but there's definitely there's definitely. Um, Uh, an an advantage to it and I I see it in my practice as well you know sometimes you know you could go in with the best intentions and this is the beginning this is the middle and this is the end of my lesson and this is what they're going to know by the end of it but someone sticks up their hand and has a really good question that you didn't think about and you might think actually do you know what, this direction is the direction I should be going so let's just go with it and see 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 where it goes so it's about exploring all different avenues as well um I don't think they're going to get more like I, I don't think teachers are going to be giving too much uh, to the children because I mean we'd we'd get nothing done but I think it is important to value their input um, and allowing them, you know, to, to ask these questions and saying, right, if this is what you're, if this is what you're wondering, let's, let's delve into that a little bit. And that's another thing that they say in it, you know, they're giving, they're giving schools more autonomy about how they, they're, they they're allocating their time. Yeah. So like if a school has a particular need, for example, you know, um, we can use that, we can use some more time to, to go into, into that. Or if, if a school has a particular interest, yeah. you know, um, in, you know, we, we can use our time and, 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 um, and, and buy into that instead. A, wrong, which, which
2: a rounded is, education. Around rounded
7: exa- yeah. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's more enjoyable for the teachers because the, the children are enjoying it. It's way more worthwhile. They're doing more learning. You know, if they're having fun, they're having, and they're having the crack, then they're going to be learning way more. They're going to be taking it in more. So I think, I think overall, it's it's very, very positive.
2: One last Thing that it doesn't seem to be half as big a problem here as it does, as it is in the UK. In the UK, when you start introducing things like RSE, people start to lose their minds and sometimes lose them in the street. What's, I mean, RSE, our children are learning different things now Mm. than we learnt. And certainly they're learning at a younger age. Like, are you in favour, Padre, of teaching children about, and it was in the news last week, the fact that some. Some of their friends may be transgender.
7: Are you okay with that? I totally am, PJ. Right, and the fact of the matter is, I think a lot of these people that are complaining about it, you know, if they came into a school, you know, they might notice that there are children who identify as being transgender, or there are there are children who who would identify as being non-binary, um, and the like. I don't want to say damage, but the the, the I suppose it is damage that you can do to a child in this, these early stages of their life if you tell them that they're wrong because of how they feel. Um, so I think it, it, teaching teaching about it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it opens up a really important conversation, but also it's about valuing difference um, and, and inclusion. And I think if, if a child, if there's only one child who feels you know, that that, that they're different, mm. right? And you're allowing them a space to be different and teaching others to accept them for that. I mean, that child is going to prosper and that tr- tr- child is going to thrive yeah. uh, in the long run, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, about, it's about, you know, uh, this mindset of just being inclusive and open mm-hmm. and, you know, encouraging diversity.
2: And would I be right in thinking, Padraig, that sometimes, you know, seven, eight and nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds, they actually have a better handle on difference than the adults around them.
7: You know what, PJ? and And we've had this conversation a few times, right? Especially recently because it is something that's constantly coming up and I'm very fortunate to work in an environment that's very inclusive, you know, I'm in an educated together school up here in Dublin and uh, it's wonderful, you know what I mean? And everyone is very on board and everyone, you know, is is very open to learning and, and like, we're always being corrected, you know, we're always being corrected and, and we're always, you know, correcting each other or asking each other, you know, how would you approach uh, approach this, this, that and the other? But, um, sorry, no, I'm, I'm going off. What was the, what was the question again, Peter? You know, I
2: think children... Children are far more open to difference oh, totally. than some of the adults yes, around
7: them. That's, that's what I was saying. Do you know what? I think we learn. I think we learn over time to not include people. Because when I see children in school, you know, it doesn't matter what colour your, your skin is, it doesn't matter where your parents came from, it doesn't matter what your background or your religious tradition is, if you have two younger, younger children in, in a classroom, they're going to just see someone that they can play with. You true. know, and I think, unfortunately, over time, what we learn... Is that they're different? That these people are different, and it's something that's 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 taught to us. Um, and and you know, sometimes you 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 go into these lessons, or you're teaching children, or something crops up, and they ask you a question about you know um, a child who might identify as being transgender, or a child who might, and and they will give you the answer. Do you know what I mean? They don't care. They, don't they just want to know. You know that you know th- that they can play with them. Do okay. you know, or that they can? Or, you know, do do they like the same things as them? you know so they're looking for similarities they're not looking for differences and mm-hmm. i think that's something that we need to remember and it's a pity that adults can't do that as well sometimes
2: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. children children we should, we should exactly we children do not have prejudice they learn it
7: no exactly they learn it and and, and they're always looking for they, they want to be like each other do you know what i mean so they want to share they want to share similar interests and values and stuff like that so okay. that's you know that that's that's the lovely that's the lovely part of my job you, you get to see the little innocence um, before unfortunately the big world can
2: destroy and destroy some of this. That, that's a well put, well put, Padraig. Thank you, Padraig Wilson is from Cork, teaches in Dublin, um, has a podcast called The Voice Note. There are changes coming in how our children are being educated. Difference is not necessarily bad. Change is not necessarily bad. Whoever, and if I ever had a hold of them, <laughs> the person who stopped us borrowing one and carrying it to the other side. And introduced all these hieroglyphics up over the sum. So, I would like to deliver a sound thrashing to that person, but besides that. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday indeed to Joe. Joe Bourne. Joe the hairdresser from Glasheen. If you're passing the salon today, if you're in the salon. Go in and wish him a happy birthday. He'll be chuffed to bits. Happy birthday, Joe. Speaking of schools, went down over the weekend just for a spin, just to see this one that everyone's talking about in Douglas and Rochestown, And it's the Dretons. They they nicknamed it the Dretons. The Douglas uh, and Rochestown Educate Together National School just went for a, a spin down there Saturday afternoon. Wow. Wow. What a job of construction. It's fantastic down there. Yes, they've got their problems with buses, but it's a superb looking school. It really is. Great facility. In a great location. Just hope they get a school bus. We did cover that, didn't we? A few weeks ago. I must mention this man, because if I don't, I'll forget him, and it would be completely wrong if I were to forget him. His name was Canon Michael Murphy. Mick. Uh, He was a native of Blackpool. He was the retired parish priest of Ballyfahan. He died quite suddenly at the weekend and I was very shocked to hear that news. He was just such a lovely man. A native of Blackpool, ordained a priest in 1968. He was in Grand Parish. He served in the UK in Southwark. He was an army chaplain for many years. He was away on the missions and then he settled as parish priest in Ballyfahan. And my particular memories of Father Mick were he had a massive interest in the Tusker Rock tragedy. He had a huge interest in that uh, tragedy and always maintained that interest because, of course, the Cork Airport being in the parish of Balfehan and also on the day of the Manx air crash, he cycled to the airport to minister to the to the injured and to bless the dead. And also during the... Vita Cortex sit-in of Pius and Immortal Memory Father Murphy, Mick, became kind of their unofficial chaplain and he would have mass there and he would come down and pray with them and he was just a lovely man, just a lovely, lovely human being I was very fond of him and very sad to hear of his passing At the weekend.
1: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon.
4: Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie.
1: Cork's 96 FM.
3: 6 to 9 a.m. On
4: Cork's 96
3: FM. We worked with a fella that we all called Ash Wednesday because his name was Mark. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Lads, we have an absolutely horrific salesman in our place. We call him Speedboat. Speedboat, no
6: sales.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a fellow in our workplace called Mirrors. You ask him to do something, he'll say, I look into it there for (laughs) you. Where's Mirrors? He's looking into
2: it. there's a girl in our place who's beautiful but not very bright. And uh, everyone calls her Lava Lamp.
4: <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. 96
2: As you heard, we got loads of messages during the morning about traffic chaos in Carrigaline. It's the start of a road closure which is going to run for quite some time and they've closed a fairly important road down there. Uh, morning, Lisa.
14: Good morning. Yes, it is. It's, it's closing from um, the Protestant Church in Tagline to Coolmore Cross um, for Waterworks.
2: Right. Until the middle of May.
14: 19th of May. That's what the road sign says. So 13th Monday um, today till the 19th of May.
2: So for people who wouldn't know the road... It's very busy. Explain why. It's
14: extremely busy. It provides access to the local school in Ring City. It provides access to Novartis. Um, then you can take the back road to Johnson Johnson and Hovion. And even the, the base down there as well, the Army base. You'd come through there to get to it.
2: So it would be a major commute from people in Carrigaline who work. In Ring of Skitty, people in the surrounding areas who work in Ring of Skiddy, to be a, a major commute for them, where will they have to go now?
14: They'll now have to take the main road, so from the Shannon Park roundabout, the main road straight into Ring of Skitty. so where all the port traffic already is, and all the access to Biomarin, Pfizer, all the trucks going to the port, everything.
2: So they have to go past Janeville now of a morning, which exactly. is already yeah. a traffic black spot, I know that from experience into the Shannon Park and use the main road now was there notice given of this Lisa
14: There's a flashing uh, road sign down by the Protestant Church guidelines, but that's that's the only notice I think.
2: will it affect you directly, for example?
14: Yes, yes it will so there will be increased traffic passing my house daily, and they'll be using that road as a shortcut, and we have small children, so they'll be going way too fast down that road now. They already do, a bit as it is, so now it's going to get even worse for two months.
2: Whereabouts are you living?
14: Just on the the back road, um, close enough to the
2: school. Oh, you'd be where we, what we would call the rock road. Yeah. I see. So that's, that's a busy rat run anyway. So all the traffic that would now go the other way is going to come up the rock. Oh my goodness.
14: Yeah, they'll try and take that road and they'll probably also try and take the back road by Novartis. So they'll be trying any shortcut they can, and there's kind of only really those two. Yeah.
2: It's going to cause chaos.
14: Chaos, and well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming drivers are going to get frustrated as well. I'd be surprised over the two months if there wasn't some kind of tip or something. Yeah, and then the whole place will be uh, gridlocked. Loads of people walk those roads as well, like the back road between Novartis and just past our house, and... Like, with the increased traffic, I mean, you know, like someone could get hit or there's going to be a car accident. I'd actually be surprised if there wasn't more than one car kit, we'll say, over the two months. Yeah. There are certain stretches of the road where you can't pass anything out, so it'll just completely back up.
2: Clearly, if they need to do something with the waterworks, they need to do something with the waterworks. I suppose you would accept that.
14: Of course, yeah. I mean, it, it, it has to be done, but I mean, it could have been done when the schools were closed. That's You a know, good point. and then people would have had the choice to. I know that some people or their parents would have had the choice to work from home, um, but they can't now because they have to get the kids to school anyway. So if it had been during the holidays, they wouldn't have, they could have worked remotely and the kids could have been at home.
2: It's a question of timing. Yeah. And were you saying that there's also, as well as the waterworks, there's a sewerage problem to be fixed?
14: Apparently, yeah. So they're going to dig up the road now to um, fix the waterworks, and then they're going to dig it up a second time, apparently, to do the sewer. Now, I don't know when they're going to do that. As to why they can't do the two at the same time, I don't know.
2: Hold on. So they're closing it from today until May for the waterworks? And am I picking you up right? They have to open it again then?
14: Yeah. That's what we were told. They have to open it again for a sewage problem. Oh, Lord.
2: Like you said, if they waited until the schools were closed...
14: There would at least be some relief, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it's going <laughs> to plan out for them.
2: It is. Lisa, all we can do is bring it to people's attention and thank you for your call.
14: Thank you so much for your time.
2: You're welcome. Yeah, and so we saw it this morning? We saw, we saw the carnage it caused this morning Kate reminds us, I know it well Kate the rock road is only a traditional country road, I really don't think it can handle that kind of traffic at all it's seen many minor, minor scrapes one time a car went I heard this Kate, did this actually happen a car went into the hall next to the church <laughs> I did hear that no, it was true. 0818 96, 96,
1: 96 Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your
4: next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at
1: corkcitymarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> the lines are live. Oh, hello. Join the conversation! Call
4: 0818 96 96 96.
1: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96
4: 96. Email opinion at 96 FM.
1: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Hawks 96
2: FM. On the Roadworks in Carrigaline, in response to Lisa. Dennis says, PJ, what doesn't that woman understand? If the job on the water needs doing, then it needs doing. Does she have an alternative? She does actually, Dennis. She said, why not do it in the summer when the roads are quieter and children aren't going to school? And I would 100% agree with her there. Plus, the fact in the summer, the days are longer. You have sunlight before we're up, you have sunlight into the evening. You could lengthen the day, you'd have less traffic on the roads Schools would be off and it'd be safer and might get it done faster That's kind of what Lisa suggested She knows the water work has to be done Thank you Good luck to Valerie Conlon and everyone involved in that Debenhams 406 Days documentary airing tonight at UCC Unfortunately, I, I have an invitation to go, but I can't go just through circumstances, as they say, beyond my control, I can't go. So I look forward to seeing it soon, but unfortunately, not tonight. 0818 96, 96 96 Did you know that a bank went wallop at the weekend? A bank did. A bank went bang at the weekend. And it's a big story because it's one of the biggest lending banks in terms of technical startup businesses in the world. And you kind of wonder, This is this where it all started in 2007, 2008? And could we be headed for the same scenario again? Now, one man who has connections to Silicon Valley Bank, and I think you've taken all your funds out over the weekend, is the, the man behind Sisu Clinics, the chain of Sisu Clinics. Pat Phelan joins me. Pat, good morning.
15: Morning, PJ. How are
2: you? very well, sir. Tell me, first of all, before I ask you what happened to it, Why is Silicon Valley Bank so important?
15: Um, I think they've probably been backing startups for the last 20 years. And I think when people think of startups, they think of small companies and, you know, like homegrown startups with two or three guys. And, you know, you're looking at Silicon Valley Bank and thinking they back Google. They back some of the biggest companies in the world, Uber, etc. Wow. So, you know, this is a real big story, you know, 200 billion hole that developed all last week. So it's a much bigger story than people imagine.
2: If their clients are, like you said, Google, Uber and, and the like, how how did this happen?
15: Well, I've been watching it since last week. I'm kind of a, you know, anyone that knows me, I read a lot of newspapers And it kinda started the week before last where they moved to shore up their balance sheet and which kind of worried a lot of people. I started seeing it on Tuesday in the Wall Street Journal where their balance sheet needed help and they sold something that they had bought into and they sold it at a one point eight billion dollar loss, which kinda spooked people. They were kinda, you know, how how quick do these guys need money? What's going on here? And then I started kind of paying more attention to it on Wednesday and on Thursday, I I added the share price into my my iPhone and I noticed Thursday afternoon the share price was now about 40%, which led me to believe there was panic in the market. And we, CSU Clinic, has a lot of money in there because, you know, we've, we've raised money from Venture Capitalists and this is the bank of choice for Venture Capital.
6: Mm-hmm.
15: Uh, we had a lot of funds in there and I've started to panic. And by Thursday night, kind of between 7 and 8, Irish time, the stock price was down 60%. And, you know, it's not as if we're, being Irish, we're not all aware of what's happening here.
6: Mm-hmm.
15: And... I thought there might be a run on this tomorrow and in a couple of weeks' time it might be difficult to get the money out. So I just rang Paul Healy, who's our CEO, and I said, you know, move the funds now right this minute. And that was 8.57. And we pulled out, and it was a lot of money now, PJ, multi-millions. We pulled it out immediately, and at 9 o'clock they they blocked all further transfers. So we were three minutes out. A lot of Irish companies were, you know, speaking to one Founder in particular, who would have almost $10 million in there. And, you know, he spent the weekend almost throwing up had messages from tons of large Irish companies. That, you know, it looked as if it was transferred, but there was no sign of it on the other end yet. Yeah. And, and then last night, the Fed, they tried to sell the bank over the weekend and there were no buyers. Which is really unusual because it's a very good commercial bank. Mm. And the Fed stepped in last night, burned the bondholders burned the stockholders and said that all uh, depositors would be made whole today. But there's a kind of a secondary story. Two other banks nearly went down. So Signature, which is a Bitcoin bank, went down, is gone. That ceased to exist yesterday in New York. And another bank, uh, First Republic, which is a major bank, had to actually shore up its balance sheet from the Fed yesterday. And I think what happened was, People were probably there last night, the Fed thinking, we have to sort this before Asia opens for business because they're guaranteed would have been contagion today. So they they said, we'll take all the risk on the government. Everyone is safe. And this morning, the UK version, SVB UK, was sold to HSBC for a pound.
2: For a, I, I heard that earlier on. Explain how that works. Like you, t- How do you sell a bank for a pound?
15: Um, well, I think... HSBC took on the risk so they covered all the depositors now they're easily covered because they have assets of 28 billion and deposits of 20 billion and they said look this is going to be known as HSB, SVB from now on but I think like I think, people I don't think this story is getting enough attention, you could have actually having a financial meltdown today
2: This is the thing and watching your tweets at the weekend and, and hearing you explain it now, this has slightly scary echoes of the last time banks started going absolutely. To the wall. Could now, you know Pat, you're you're not a, you're not a man that that engages in hyperbole, but you certainly call something as you see it. Are we in danger of another crash here, or has it been has it been rescued
15: in time? I, th- I think what happens is, and and I think a lot of people don't understand banking when you deposit your money in the bank the bank take your money and work with it. It isn't that you're depositing the money, you're actually loaning them your funds. Yeah. And like, if you think about it, Cisu Clinic had whatever, multiple millions in that account, and that's for our growth in the US and our growth in the UK and our growth as a business. But the government guarantee in the US was only 250K. Yes. So you really have to think about, one, where is your money? And two is it guaranteed, and what's the government guarantee so mm. well, we like we we were you know like as I said, I spoke to definitely five maybe seven Irish senior business people over the weekend who had no access to their to their company funds,
2: wow. And this deal done this morning, then or over the weekend for selling it for a pound, does that save those people? Like, would that have saved your skin if you couldn't get the stuff
15: out? of It would, yeah. it would. But that, you know, I'm, I'm very glad I got it out. But these people are all my friends.
2: Yes, of course,
15: Pat. And you know, it was no good saying I'm all right, Jack. But you know, it, it, like there was, I think it was twenty-five percent of hundred and forty-two billion was withdrawn on Thursday. <sighs> But that left a hundred billion sitting there at risk. And you know, it's great to see the Americans reacting like that and saying, Listen, we're burning the bondholders, we're burning the stockholders, but we're protecting the people. And you and we're, we're b- protecting the
2: jobs. Subsequently tweeting in that, you know, we had an opportunity, rolling back a couple of pages of the history books. We had an opportunity to do that here in Ireland in 2007, 2008, and we chose not to.
15: Now, No, from a nation point of view, who knows? You know, I was asking the question in reality, but like, you know, you look at the, the results and, you know, all we needed was a bit of backing and a bit of patience. It all came right eventually. Mm.
2: Will this come right, do you think?
15: I think people will people will have got a big fright uh I know it, particularly with there's been two bit Bitcoin banks fail over the last couple of weeks and I think there's a bit of, certainly a bit of nervousness around all the coins. Mm. I think uh yeah. the market was up today nine percent nine percent um but I think so far today the stock markets are are reacting negatively. I know the European stocks are all down. And it'll be interesting, it, it, looking at the WSJ there a while ago, it looks as if it might be a break-even there where I would have hoped that it would be, you know, mm. this would very popular sentiment, and it, it doesn't seem to be.
2: For the ordinary person going about their ordinary day, working their ordinary job, Pat, do these kind of things have implications day to day?
15: Oh, absolutely. Well, like, if you think about it, look at, like, the, the people I just spoke about probably employ between them couple of thousand people in Ireland and England. Right. If you can't grow your business and you can't make payroll next week and people can't be fed, you know? There you go. I mean, that's that's the story. Like, I mean, this is, you know, we've decided on trickle-down economics and that's where we're playing. Yeah.
2: I have you. I have you. You're very involved, Pat, while I have you there, with another business as well, which I've seen an awful lot about, on, about on Instagram about and I think Tony Martin
15: is involved as well. Limbo. Oh, Limbo. What the limbo the Limbo? Limbo Revolution is kind of, to me, it's the easiest way to lose weight, technically. It's a platform. It's a platform that looks at your blood glucose and makes decisions based upon your blood glucose and what you eat in real time yes. and gives you advice on what to do about your health. But, you know, I'm down... I'm down actually 11 kilos today since January the night. Wow. Um, Just eating exactly what I'm told based upon my blood glucose. Are you
2: exercising like a mad thing?
15: No, I do. I do bike ski row in Douglas a couple of nights, well, four nights a week for 45 minutes. And that's it, nothing else. So a a bit of cardio. But, you know, I've always done a bit of cardio. I'm fairly okay on the fitness. But this just tells me what to do when to do it, how to eat, what to eat, and what not to eat. It's like an app. It's incredible. It's an app. It's an app, but we've got a blood glucose in your arm. We've got our own watch and we've got our own scales. So if I was to describe it as probably a coach, on your, a, a digital coach on your arm 24-7 working with only you. I
2: saw you breaking up a burger and chips meal the other day.
15: <laughs> <laughs> so I did 118,000 other people. Is was the highest hits <laughs> we have ever got. It's just handy, you know, because like I, I'd be on the road a lot. And, you know, when you're on the road and starving, you tend to grab a protein bar or yeah. something else that's full of sugar. Whereas now you can just stop in Mickey D's or, you know, any one of them, throw away the bun and eat eat, eat the meat. <laughs> and that works perfect. <laughs>
2: All right, Pat. We should we be lastly, lastly. Uh, you were pre they're telling me here you were pre diabetic before using Limbo, which is that's some achievement.
15: I was. I was eighteen stones six years ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, lastly, coming back to the Silicon Valley Bank, is it panic over, or what will you be you be watching, and business be watching over the days and weeks to come?
15: I think people will be looking at a lot of the startup banks how they're capitalized, you know, the risk appetite of the banks. I think what you'll see, I think, I think what happened was the Fed and the EU probably after the last one, they really lowered the risk appetite of the banks. They really lowered, um, you know, the break even points and how much cash they should have hand on hand, but this one probably got away. And, uh, like you have to remember this was this was almost the top fifteen bank in the u s mm. two hundred billion you know That's this could have been a very different story today if the Fed said, "Hey, this is a commercial enterprise, we can't help, but I think they figured out fairly quickly that there was a lot going to go down around this mm. and a lot of jobs. I mean, Twitter was insanely panicked yesterday, so i i th- I think for me it's watch this space,
2: okay. Pat, thank you very much and uh, explaining it exceedingly well Pat Phelan of Sisu and they had, as he says himself, millions tied up in this Silicon Valley bank and got it out literally with minutes to spare you Now they'd, they'd have been sorted this morning because of the, the, the onward sale and selling it for a pound and all of that but as Pat said, many other people uh, in the startup industries lost sleep the weekend because if the business goes down so do the jobs if you can't get at your money to run your business you can't pay people on friday you know payroll has to be guaranteed if you've a batch of wages to pay on a friday you have to be able to guarantee that money and sometimes you'd have money in a bank like that ah it doesn't bear thinking about it. i'm i'm glad i never got stuck in that side of things i really am I click me click me wages take my battering from the tax man and go home and cry 0818 969696
1: shine the conversation this is the opinion line with the cork city marathon take
4: on your next challenge this june by running solo or with a team register at corkcitymarathon.ie Corks 96 fm
1: Big Drive Home, weekdays from four.
4: On Cork's 96FM. It's a four-day week this week. We are counting down to the St. Patrick's Weekend in Cork and there'll be plenty on the Big Drive Home to get you there in style. Maybe you'll have the look of the Irish on the one-second song.
1: Hey. Sorry,
4: the best homegrown musical talent. Hey,
13: this is Jeremy Kennedy.
4: Hi, everyone. It's Lyra.
0: Hey, this is Hosier. And
4: lots of your St. Patrick's Day Parade memories. I remember
14: vaguely uh, when I dressed up in my mum's wedding dress for so. <laughs> reason. She just wanted to reuse it, I think. I think, I think it
4: was a fancy dress. I'm not sure. I really want to
9: see a photo of that, Isabel. Well. You need to send that on if you can find us.
4: Join me, Lorraine, all this week from four.
2: The Big Drive Home. Cork's 96FM. St. Patrick's Festival 2023 in London. Grand Marshal of that festival is a woman called Catherine Casey. and She will also be receiving the Freedom of London in the month of April. This is an incredible honor. Uh, her mum was uh, tweeting about it and there's uh, a lot of articles been written about her work with uh, The Irish in London over uh, the last number of years. Catherine, good morning.
16: Good morning to you, PJ.
2: Congratulations on the freedom and indeed on the grand master. Tell us a bit about yourself for those who might not be familiar.
16: Um, okay, well, I'm proud Cork woman first and foremost. And I left Ireland in 1988, um, and then when I was just two, obviously, I wouldn't be you know, giving away the, the full age. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after I graduated from UCC, and just went off with big dreams to travel the world and, um, you know, follow a career at the time in the leisure industry. Um, and it took me into different parts of the world. I was living in Asia, places like Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan, and Um and uh, uh, returned to London, actually, in sort of, I think, 1999 it was. And a few years later, I got involved in the Irish community, and um, my first real sort of significant role with the community was managing the Irish Cultural Centre in Hammersmith, Mm -hmm. um, which is a venue that was set up with sort of two aspects to it. One was serving the community from an advice point of view, um, and the other was cultural promotion so promoting you know the, the music the dance uh, film and all aspects of Irish culture and it was the most incredible role actually because I met so many amazing Irish people during those seven years when I managed that centre um, from all generations so we were dealing with you know people who'd come over in the 50s who'd attend the tea dance that used to hold there twice a month and you'd hear all the stories they had to tell some of them were amazing some of them were sad Um And then we had the younger generation coming in, learning Irish dancing and, you know, um, having lessons in traditional Irish music and the Irish language as well. So it was a really incredible part of my life. And then how the connection with the the St. Patrick's Festival came in. I was actually invited to join the Mayor of London's advisory, uh, St. Patrick's Festival Advisory Board uh, back in 2009 and ended up chairing it for for 10 years, actually. And... um, and then I had the most incredible privilege offered to me uh, recently when they asked me if I'd actually be Grand Marshal for this year's festival. So it, it's been uh, an amazing, an amazing yeah. journey in my community, in our community, over, over here in London.
2: It is, I think, something we easily forget. Possibly young, young, younger people might forget it faster. Just how important the Irish are in London, just how influential they are at all levels and just how ingrained in London the Irish are.
16: Oh, you're so, I mean, 100% correct because um, everywhere I look and, you know, even before I became heavily involved with the community, myself personally, there are Irish people, you know. They're knitted through the spirit of this town uh, in every walk of life, whether it's teaching, nursing, you know, construction... Uh, business, everywhere. And what makes um, being Irish so, I think, so special um, is that we have just this relational way about us that helps us navigate, you know, even challenging times, actually. Um, if you go back into the sort of 70s and 80s when things weren't so easy over yeah. here for being Irish, just that way that people have, of the Irish people have of, as I said, being relational, really serves us, you know, uh, as a nation and um, in
2: the the, the Irish diaspora as well. Even during the Troubles, and I knew people who lived there during the Troubles, even during the Troubles, the Irish, it was recognised by many, many English people that we weren't terrorists. We were just ordinary people. This crazy nonsense was going on north of the border. We would no control about it and shouldn't be judged for it. That was the experience of a lot of people, but not everybody.
16: Yeah, that's correct. And the thing is, right, when you look at the, the demographic um, of the population in this country, uh, so the island here, actually, in Great Britain, um, or Britain, the um, so many people, you know, have an Irish connection. So, And that's going back generations. And, you know, I, if I pop into a black cab in London, you know, as soon as they hear my, I open my mouth, and of course I'm a chatterbox because I come from Blarney, mm-hmm. um, they'll say, oh, you've got an Irish accent. And then it'll be like, they'll tell me their Irish story. It could be their grandmother, their great-grandmother, their partners, you know, um, child—you know, all sorts of connections. Um, and they just people love to share their Irish story. So it, it's just, we're sort of, as I said earlier, we're kind of knitted through the history and the fabric of this country. Uh, the connections are much tighter than we pa- perhaps always really realise. Mm. And, uh, and it goes back generations. Yeah.
2: It's like... I'm reading here, and I wasn't aware of this. The Mayor of London's St. Patrick's Festival is one of the biggest St. Patrick's festivals in the world. Tell me a bit about the history of it.
16: Um, So, okay, it's an interesting history because before it became the Mayor of London's St. Patrick's Festival, it was just the St. Patrick's Parade. Um, And I don't mean just, but that's what it was originally formed as. And that was started back in the 50s. And it was... You know, when the streets were not as friendly as they are now, or, or as receptive, but these brave souls, you know, would make sure that every year they, they would mark the occasion by, by parading on the streets of London. And so um, back in, I think it was 1999, I think, we the mayor of London, uh, who was then Ken Livingstone, um, had made a promise to the Irish community that he would start to help us deliver a festival that would rival the one that was being um, staged in New York and to be fair he he was true to his word he he did he did put the funding in um and this festival has grown and grown um i think the the this year as far as I, i'm i'm aware i think they put about 100,000 into running the festival mm. and you know it's approximately that much every year now and uh it's a big part it's actually the biggest festival that the mayor's office runs in london they run you know festivals for all the communities over here and the different cultures, but the Irish one is is the largest.
2: Tell me about the Irish in London network. That's something of which you're particularly proud.
16: I am because I started that actually back in 2014. um, At the time, under the name of Crack It, trying to be clever, Um, you know, the idea of cracking London and all that. And I later changed it to Irish in London network to make it more easy for people to find. And I'd set it up originally as a sort of support network for Irish people who are looking, or Irish people and friends of Irish people actually, who were just looking to see what, what was going on in London with an Irish angle to it, and whether you were coming over, say, moving over here, or whether you were in London and you know wanted to see what was going on. There's so many networks, there's so many events, there's so many sporting events, you know, great pubs and, and even Irish restaurants. There's so much going on in this town that's got an Irish um, element to it. Um, I just there was nowhere you could find it all in one place. So um, we had a website which we're actually currently redesigning right now, where all of that information was supplied, plus all the social media channels that go with that, you know, the F- Facebook page and group, um, as the Irish and London network, we've got a Twitter, which is Irish and London, and LinkedIn group, which is Irish and London as well, and a very large, um, you know, email database for sending out information as well.
11: Where will
2: you watch the Ireland-England match next Saturday, <laughs> and, and and what colour will you wear? <laughs>
9: Irish, of course,
16: PJ, for God's sake. <laughs> if you cut me in half, I'm green. <laughs> but to be fair, yesterday I did, when I was grand marshalling, I did make sure that I had the colours of the, the blood and bandage on my hat. OK, because um, if I went back to Ireland or back to Cork particularly, you know, without having given a nod to where I come from, I'm sure I wouldn't be allowed back in again. So, um, but to answer your question, most likely waxies in Leicester Square. There's always great atmosphere down there? there? It is, yeah, and they've got Waxy's little sister as well. Actually, it's up the road from there. That's a great pub. Fabulous atmosphere, Brilliant. and it's a real place to go if you're, especially for matches.
2: It's pricey now, but it's a great, it's a great pub. Fantastic! And congratulations yesterday. How did yesterday come about? That must have been some honour.
16: Oh my god! I mean, honestly, now I I have to say to you, right, um, I mean, I'm a grown woman now. You know, moving on, but I have felt I felt childishly excited. Um, at such an incredible honour. I never expected in a million years to ever receive anything like that. Um, but what happened was there, the Community Advisory Board for the St. Patrick's Festival for the Mayor is made up of representatives of the Irish community. And they decide every year you know, who they think would be appropriate for, for receiving that honour. And for some reason, they decided that it was to be me this year um, to do with the work I've done in the community because it's been quite diverse because aside from the cultural centre and the online network um, I also, as I mentioned, chaired the, um, the Mayor of London St. Patrick's Festival advisory forum for 10 years and was part of the team that helped to save the cultural centre when the premise, the local council tried to put the premises up for sale and then also um, went on to you know uh, look after the Ireland Funds uh, uh, chapter, which is Ireland Funds is a Global philanthropic network. So there's a GB chapter, and I was looking after that for a few years. So I've done a lot in the community, and I think they felt that you know someone who's actually done work in the community would be a would be a worthy recipient this year. And I was just so blessed and privileged to be the recipient of it. So I went out there yesterday. And as I said to my my family, um, you know, my mom and dad are living in Killeen's there. Um, hello, everybody. <laughs> my sister and my brothers and my, and my um family. You know, it, it, it's a privilege. You're a, it was a torchbearer role for me in my heart because you're representing your family. You're representing Cork. You're representing, you know, the people who went before you from the 50s, you know, who, who did it in less happier times and mm. less easier times. And our job, I think, when you get those kind of moments is to kind of try and remember that, take the spirit with you and pass it forward in a better condition than, you, you know, than, than we find it. So for me, it was an absolute honor that I can't even properly describe.
2: And you had the, the, the red and white on, of course, to signify. Oh, yes. Someone just on the phone there saying that was important.
16: Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely. more interested
2: whether she wore the cork. Jersey or the Cork colours when she's Grand National. I think in Gran- a Cork jersey might have been pushing it, but cert- <laughs> certainly wore the colours.
16: Well, if you um, if they check on, on any of the photographs online, you'll see the red and white around my hat. Excellent. So, and you know, what was wonderful about it was as we went along because I actually had unfortunately an operation in my foot a couple of weeks ago, so I couldn't walk the route. They had to golf golf buggy me across the route, but as I was going down that route, and the man who was driving me actually was from Bandon, Mick, a great great man altogether. And um, there the Cork Rebels, like we were took over took over St Patrick's Festival. I think this year um, there was a lot of Cork people on the route, and they spotted my hat, which was great. And there it was a whole, oh, every part of the route I went along, there was this sort of, up the revels. I, I shouted back at them, up the revels. <laughs> 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 so I don't forget where I come from, I can tell you. Do you get home much? I do, yeah. I'm back sort of uh, pretty much every month. And, you know, also because um, the family get very odd about my accent. So if I, like, stay too long over here and there's any twang at all, I go back and like get slapped over on the head. I I just go back regularly you can't come back here with
2: a twang don't come back here come back here with anything but don't come back here with a twang
16: (laughs) I'd get slapped around the head if I did I'd say
2: (laughs) well congratulations on on yesterday and huge congratulations for the 6th of April that's going to be someday the
16: 28th of April the 28th um, that's right Yeah. No, I'm thrilled to pieces that's a massive honour and um uh, there'll be another piece to that actually in September because you get you have the ceremony at the Guildhall, which is a beautiful building in the City of London, and then in September you get an opportunity to hunt the or to herd the um, the sheep over the London Bridge as part of the of the of becoming a Freeman of the City of London. So um, that seems to be the part that my family are more interested in. Actually, is hunting the sheep over the bridge.
2: I can't wait to see the pictures. <laughs> can't wait to see the pictures. You'll have to wear a Clark jersey that day.
16: Oh, absolutely.
2: 100%. And you can <laughs> hold me to <through> it. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina, congratulations on, on everything. Wonderful to hear about your work. Katrina Casey, Grandmaster for the London Patrick's Day Parade yesterday, and to be a Freeman of London in April for her work there with the Irish community over many years. F- I didn't fabulous to hear as well Waxies is still open I haven't been there for years though congratulations uh, Katrina we'll put that interview up as a podcast a little bit later on come here a big night last night and there was videos and lots of social content going around March of course as you know is Irish Music Month on Cork's 96 AM in association with Hot Press and we're committed to supporting and discovering new Irish music and last night Leah a Cork singer-songwriter selected as the winner of the Cork's 96 of M local hero talent search. She was one of hundreds of acts that sent in demos to us. And uh, head judge was Lyra, the great Lyra, selected Leah as the act to go forward against 24 others from around the country. The overall national winner will get 5,000 in cash, 5,000 worth of music equipment. Their single released by Ruby Works Record and guaranteed radio play on 25 stations and we now wish best of luck to Leah from all of us at Cork's 96 FM. It's Irish Music Month Irish radio supporting Irish artists in association with Hot Press Magazine, the IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund.
1: Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line with the Cork City
4: Marathon Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie in- 96FM
2: So it wasn't the night that we thought it might be, but it was a good night nonetheless. But here was, the winner on the night was I've been kind of half thinking it would happen.
12: To my brilliant and beautiful wife Ani, if all this shiny stuff and tuxedos goes away, I would just love to do laundry and taxes with you for the rest of my life. But this is for my dad who, like so many immigrant parents,
13: died young. And he is so proud of me, not because of this, but because we made this movie with what he taught me to do, which is no person is more important than profits. And no one is more important than anyone else. And these weirdos right here supported me in doing that.
2: Everything, everywhere, winning all at once. Crossy, they swept the boards.
13: <laughs> Oh, it's just, and it's one of those movies you need to have your head needs to be at it right. You know, I think The Banshees is very basic. You know, you got two fellas, they're on an island, they don't talk to each other. Let's not give the rest of the plot away. But then you got everything everywhere all at once, multiverses, parallel universes, top class actors in Hollywood, some actors that you know that aren't well known, and it's just it's just a ball of you either get it or you don't get it. I watched it and I was a bit like, oh, I don't really know, but I can see how this movie won a ton of Oscars. You know, having the likes of Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Yeoh as well, both also gave fantastic speeches that you just, you know, would bring a tear to your eye. Um, especially Michelle, where she was like talking, she basically talked down the lens to the people that are watching. And she says, if you look like me, this is for you. You know, you need yeah. to... You, you could be here and the camera then immediately went to, to Sandra Oh uh, who played um, Yang in Grey's Anatomy and she had tears in her eyes because yes. you know like reputation matters and I think you know the biggest stage in the world it showed it last night
2: Yeah I've got that clip from Michelle Yo. I was I saw this a week or two ago I watched it and I said you know I kind of do believe the hype because it's such an enormous production and oh, huge. I'm a huge. fan of Michelle Ro. I, I love Michelle Yeoh. I, I think she's great. And I was delighted for her. Um, let, let's have a listen to, to her, her speech.
9: For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, <laughs> this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. You
2: never give up. That was my favourite bit, actually. Yeah, you it's know, great, isn't it? She's been around a while. She's done a fair few things. As I say, I like her. I always kind of said, right, if I see her listed in something, I'll watch that because I like Michelle Yo. I was very pleased for her last night. And Jamie Lee Curtis
13: got really emotional, didn't she? It, do you know what? Jamie Lee, I just... I had a bit of a moment, sorry, last night when I was watching it. So Jamie Lee wins Best Supporting Actress, beats Kerry Condon, which is, you know, one of these things. But Jamie Lee went in her speech, and I, I cut it down quite a bit because it was quite long, where she went, called out the, the people in the movie, we won an Oscar, called out her agency, we won an Oscar, called everyone, everything was we, 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 we. And then she went to her mom and dad, and she says, mom and dad? I won an Oscar. And there's something beautiful about it. There is, just listen to it here.
4: To all of the people who
16: have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, we
4: just won an Oscar together.
9: And my mother and my father were both nominated for Oscars in different categories. I just want an
2: Oscar. Like she is a veteran now. she's not a, you know a new young thing anymore, and she's got learned enough, Crossy, to be cynical and hard-nosed, but she ain't.
13: It's just it, it, I don't know what it was. I'm even hearing it there again. When someone has so much in their life and so you know, you could say powerful. But yet still, she's the exact same as the rest of us. And she gets so emotional over it. It was really was. I think out of her, her was probably the biggest moment last night for me where I was watching it. I think that the other part was, which was quite wild, right? So if you were watching the champagne carpet last night, because it's not a red carpet anymore. I don't know why they did it, but they did it. Uh, Lady Gaga arrives up wearing a Versace dress, makeup all done. I'd say it's taken hours to, you know, to get her look as stunning as she is. And then she went to perform and took it all off, all the makeup gone, all the earrings, all the rings, the Versace dress. And she wore a gray top, a pair of jeans that were ripped and no makeup and sang that song, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. And it was a piece of perfection to show, I'm a singer, I can do this, this, this and this but here's me stripped back in front of a room full of actors mm-hmm. and i'm telling you that is a star that is a star well
2: i I've, I've been saying this for for a long time gaga is one of the greats of modern music i and, and in fact you know one of the she's one of these kind of priorities i must see gaga before i'm too old enough to be gaga myself and can't go to a, <laughs> go to a concert <laughs> let's uh... The only thing about that, Crossy, and you know it and I know it, right? Every karaoke bar for the next six months. (laughs) (laughs) Drunks (gasps) screeching it. Don't tempt face. (laughs) Come here, let's get to the Irish because, okay, we didn't get everything we were up for. We never were going to. We thought we might do better than two out of 14, but there were two important ones. The Irish Goodbye is a gorgeous little piece of work, isn't it?
13: It's about 21 minutes long. It's something you can watch on your break today. Uh, it's a lovely little movie. Uh, James Martin is one of the leads in it. And yes, this is probably one of the key moments around the world at the minute. So they win the award for best live action short. They're on stage. There's about 11 of them on it. And the two directors say, do you know what? There's also something else going on here today. Like this is the, the biggest moment of their career. Mm. They're at the Oscars. They're in front of everyone. And they get the Oscars to sing Happy Birthday to James Martin, who is there. And it is just one of those moments where you're going, do you know what? You two lads are sound. You're sound for giving up this moment to James. You know, h- how many actors were there last night? How Like Gaga, Rihanna, um, John Travolta, all these massive artists. Mm. And they all sang Happy Birthday to James Martin. They sure did. Hang the on. This else, award is it. actually
10: the second most important thing about today because it's this man's birthday. <laughs> He's out here in Hollywood wearing a leopard print suit jacket. Uh, We'd love to use the rest of our time up here to sing for James. Happy birthday to you.
6: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear James. Happy birthday to
13: you. That was just massive, wasn't it? I was just you know, and doesn't it show a mark of a person as well that they would do something like that? But there's one little key moment there. Did you see what they said at the end? We need, we're we going to give the last few moments of our time to wish him happy birthday. When Richie uh, won for the best visuals for Avatar, Richie from Ballyfermot in Dublin, someone else who's on his team went to talk after Richie finished talking. And the music went on and it cut straight to Jimmy Kimmel. So oh, Lord. they have forty-five seconds and that's all they have. Richie, now Richie Bainham, this is his second
2: Oscar, and like you said, just an ordinary working class lad from a working class area yeah, collecting his second Oscar for drawn cartoons.
13: What do you think of it. It just shows, you know, keep, keep, you know, if you have a passion for something, doesn't it just show, you know, keep doing it there you go. and you never know. Let's like listen Oscar. to Oscar. Let's
3: listen to him. <laughs> To James Cameron or Jim Cameron, whose thumbprint, artistic thumbprint is on every frame of this movie, obviously. And John Landau, who was the uh, the engine who drove us forward. Like, <laughs> I, 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 we accept
7: these awards on behalf of a very, very large crew. We'd like to thank the Lab in L.A., the Lab and the stage crew, both L.A. and uh, New Zealand.
2: Can we listen to Mr. Kimmel? Because there's been a lot of talk about things he said and also stuff that was on
12: Saturday Night Live. Let's, let's, have, a, yeah. let's have a listen. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theatre commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor... <laughs> And permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. <laughs> no, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year.
2: Nothing. He then went on to say, we'd nominees from every corner of Dublin five Irish actors nominated tonight, which means the odds of another fight on stage just went way up. Some people got their pearls and clutched them hard. He was having a laugh, wasn't he, Crussy?
13: Do you know what? He was, but I think the reason for that was because of uh, the Saturday Night Live sketch from the night before, which, from what I've heard, what I have heard uh, through the grapevine today is that the banshees the inner people there you know like the, the people the managers and all that yeah. are not happy and apparently there's a massive row brewing behind the scenes that we will probably never even know about probably it probably not
2: let's, let's remind up. people who've missed that Here how do you guys
4: like your chances tonight
3: ah uh, you know that's the words and you know like uh, take words of troops for where you your bay hey
8: me grain grain trees in it yeah
3: <laughs> bush like they say you know our and time me- to go no, can re- like it's
1: been Team at re- C-A-A. <laughs> Wow, and they haven't even started drinking yet.
13: <laughs> you see, that's what Saturday Night Live does, Crossy. Yeah, I think the issue that they're having at the minute with this is is like Colin Farrell's sober. Yeah, with a and long time, the, yeah. the insinuation, and he's very proud of it, and yeah, i I'd, look. That's what, I, as you said, that's what SNL is, and that's what it does. I think for some reason, with the weekend that's in it, and you know, everyone going, the Irish, amazing. There's fourteen nominations. For some reason, it has hit different. To people, and I've never seen that happen before online. I know Twitter can be a vile cesspit of times, but I've never seen people come together—people who wreck with each other—going, yeah. "Hang on a second, now. I think enough is enough. We're not the drunken Irish yeah. that we used to be, or if we ever were." But you know I, I, what I mean. I, I, cringed, but, uh,
2: I cringed a bit when I saw it, but I did kind of say, "That's what SNL do, and they don't—they don't spare the punches. Yeah. Everybody gets it. Gets an—it's e- equal opportunity abuse for Saturday Night Live. That's good. Kind of, well, and the thing about Jimmy Kimmel and what he said, like." People forget, don't they, Crossy? He had to submit every single word of that monologue well in advance. It all had to be approved so it could go on an ask you and that he'd be deemed to be okay to say. So it was no surprise.
13: No, definitely not. And do you know what? They would have, all the camps would have known about that. You know, and I I know there's one thing that with the SNL, um, I know when Jimmy was in the crowd and he had said something to Colin, Colin did turn around and he did go, why don't you ask SNL about it? So it was a nice little dig where he was like, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. But it was C, uh Colin, with his son. Like, he's got kind of so grown up. Yeah. You kind of forget that, you know, that he's kind of go, wow, Colin, you, you have a grown up son. Uh, he, which, he, which was he mad has as a well. son.
2: He has a son now that's the age he was when he was a pup. Do you know?
13: <laughs> yeah, yeah. on, Bally Cassangel days, here we go.
2: <laughs> Joe, it was, great. Oh, was wow. It was disappointing that we didn't come away with more. Were you surprised that the Banshees left empty-handed, Crossy?
13: I was. I, I thought we'd get something. Now, I thought we'd get Best Actor. From just what I've heard over the past few days, I've yeah, Variety magazine, like, they're online. They are Oscars overdrive. Whatever they say, go. I always find... And when they had said about the Oscars that the vote had been split between Austin and Brendan, and that was going to do really well for, for Colin, because, you know, the rest of them would have went straight up for Colin.
2: Because so was saying Austin Butler for this. Elvis, might, might just nick it.
13: Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, if it was between Brendan and Austin, I probably would have wanted Austin to win. I thought The Whale, now you'd want a head on you to watch The to watch the Whale. It's quite deep. It's quite, you know, for this hour of the morning, like, you'd be like, oh, no, I, it's one of those movies where you'd want to have a day to be watching it. I haven't Whereas seen Elvis, it. Whereas Elvis, you know... Very light, you know, very light and fluffy, but also honors Elvis Presley, and Mm. there's so much heritage towards that. And so I I think that was a shock for a lot of people about about Elvis about Austin Buller not winning. But again, they're all Oscar nominated now, so that can go on all their CVs and add an extra zero.
2: Every DVD, if we, well, people sell DVDs anymore, but every copy of the Banshees ever sold or ever streamed or ever promoted <laughs> will have nominated for nine Oscars.
13: You can never take that from them. Absolutely not. And it will be doing a lot of buying power. From what I heard uh, over in America this week, over in LA, there's been a lot of meetings to get a lot of movies over to Ireland. I know the Minister, catcher Martin, is in a ton of meetings, you know, saying, look, here's what we do. Here's who we are. This is, you know, 40 nominations is massive. Yeah. So you could see more movies. I know Cocaine Bear, the next movie, which is absolutely muck, by the way, <laughs> is going to be released very soon. You know, and that, that was the sounds. Of it, I
2: kind of wanted to duck it, you know?
13: <laughs> uh, I hear Joe Duffy talking about it during the weekend. I don't know how many times he said Cocaine Bear. It must have been about a thousand times yeah. uh, people were giving out. So yeah, I think that that movie, I think people will go see in Ireland because it was based in Ireland, but it's nothing got, got to do with Ireland. It's <laughs> just a was filmed here.
2: Alright, listen. Thanks to, uh, to you for all of your contribution over the awards season. Crossy we will talk again soon. So nominated for 14, came away with two, but a big night for the Irish, even if they didn't win everything they were up for at the Oscars. And thanks to Crossy for being with us across awards season. We had lots and lots of fun. That's it for today. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And wish We will see you tomorrow just after 9.
1: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge
4: this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM